All right, you guys hear it all the time. The typical, if you like this episode, please rate us, subscribe to us, leave a comment on iTunes or Spotify, wherever. Well, it really does make a difference for this podcast. We're small, we're trying to get bigger, and all of this feeds the algorithm so that iTunes or Spotify or Pandora, wherever you find us at, will rate us higher and higher with the more likes and comments that you guys leave. And always, if you guys find value in these episodes, please leave us a comment on the episode or on the show uh, page. And the best way to help us is to share it off. So again, thank you. And we will talk to you soon. I reconnect with my buddy, Heath Warner, who at the time of this recording, I saw him at a retirement ceremony today. Even though we already had this planned, it was great seeing him in person. Heath is a Special Amphibious Reconnaissance Corpsman, IDC, which means Independent Duty Corpsman, who served with 3rd and 1st Recon Battalions. I met Heath when I was on med hold at Brook Army Medical Center. And instead of leaving me in the dust at the NOSC, the Naval Operational Support Center, he took me under his wing and brought me over to 4th Recon, where I honestly thrived as a corpsman. That being said, there's so much more to Heath. We get into some crazy shit towards the end about the election and about the pandemic. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of After the Battle Campfire. All right, I'm back with my good friend and crazy, almost spiritual chief mentor, Heath Warner. It's been a very long time. Fortunately, we had a little bit of time to talk before this because we were at a mutual retirement this morning. So let's start. Heath, say hello. Hello. There you go. You are such a special man. I know. So what do you think of the COVID retirement? Uh, you know, it's, it is what it is. You know, I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, it was just to put it this way. It was, it was really good. I mean, it's not going to change anything. It's just less seats and people wearing masks and stuff like that. But what else can you expect? Yeah. I mean, we're in the middle of a crazy pandemic. So, Lisa got Lisa got done. That's true. At least, at least we were there. Not the not the you know there wasn't there a not the command master chief was not there nor was the command co. So people and even outside her whole commander and her chain of command were there. Yep. Need but, I say more? Yeah, we'll leave it at that. It's the new navy that we're both no longer part of. So right. I met Heath. Where did I meet you? I met you when I was going through Medhold at Fort Sam. And you kind of said, I'm not going to let you sit on the Navy side. You're an FMF corpsman. Come work for me next door at Fort Recon. Yes. So let's go back to the beginning of you. You were born here in San Antonio, right? No, I was born in Landstuhl, Germany. See, you're the second or third person that I got that wrong on. You were born in Landstuhl? Mm-hmm. I did not know that. So was it your dad or your mom? My dad. Your dad. Was he Army? Yeah. No, Air Force. Well, okay. I didn't realize that. Wow. So how long did you grow up in Lancel? Oh, just, I think, I, I don't know, not too long. We left there. My older sister was born, I think, in Michigan. But my dad was in Vietnam, I think. And then um, 
two years later I was born. And, uh, and we're in Germany. Um, I don't, I'm going to stay too long. I, I mean, I, you know, it's hard to think back 49 years on what you're doing when you were not even born or just born yet. So, um, I was, yeah, I think we say a couple of years. I remember coming back here. I came, I don't know how old I was though. So then did you guys end up back here as a, your first stop or did you guys go somewhere else before you settled for Texas? Well, after retirement? Uh, no, after your, after your, you guys moved here after you were born. Oh, well then, um, my parents got divorced and we were here and then, uh, my mother remarried to my, my stepdad, um, which I think he still is here somewhere in the area. Um, and then, um, we stayed here until I think so I was born in 71. So I'm trying to do the math. I'm not sure when it was. I know I was in, I know I went to first grade here. Same, the same school that my, uh, my, um, youngest daughter, Harley, she's five years old going to, she's in kindergarten there. I know I went to kindergarten, I think at Rose Garden. Um, was right outside Universal City. I think I went to start to kindergarten. First grade at Randolph Elementary, second grade at Randolph. Then we moved to so 80, was it 79 or 80-ish? We moved to Hanscom Air Force Base. Where is that? Uh, Boston, Massachusetts. Oh, wow. Okay. See, I'm learning stuff. I didn't know about you. Yeah. And then from there, we went down to Panama Canal. Uh, we're stationed at Howard. And we were there, I think I was there until 84. Or 84. And then Millbrook, Alabama, or outside from Montgomery, Alabama, for uh, uh, what is uh, what's the name of that basin in Alabama. Montgomery? I forget. Uh, Maxwell. Oh, okay. Maxwell Air Force Base. And then um, what's that? Oh, I was gonna say. So your dad did a he did twenty then. My stepdad and my my father both did over twenty years. Okay, in the I, air force. In the air force, I didn't. Again, I've known you for fourteen years, and I did not realize your dad because I've met your dad and my many grand, times. And my grandfather was a pilot. Was he? So in Damn. the air force, he did thirty. He had thirty four years, I think, something like that. Damn. Did he? Was he a World War II guy? And he came in Army Air Corps. Wow. So I think something like that. So Very close did, to that, I think. Growing up, did you have the bug to join? Like, did you know that? No. No, I had no idea, really. It was, um, I always want to do something cool. You know, you're going to laugh when I tell you this, but it's funny. I always, you know, I, and, uh, I'm, I've, been a, I've been known to be a, a James Bond freak my whole life. You know, I love James Bond movies, those type of movies. And I, that's what I wanted to do for a living was James Bond. I wanted to be him. And in some slight ways, you've got about 90% of the way there when we get into Almost. your military career. Right. So and that's what I want to do. So were you athletic as a kid? I mean, I know we, I think you told me you were, um, yep, I put, I played baseball good. I, I was going to say, I know you were talking about being a lifeguard at one point in time. Yeah, I was lifeguard. I worked at the, uh, uh, Fort Sam Houston aquatic center. Um, I uh, played baseball pretty much my whole 
childhood up until it got in in the way of a different of my endurance training. So endurance athlete, I went from doing baseball, and uh, was, after junior high, I was too small to play football anymore. Um, and so, because I didn't, I didn't grow. I mean, I, I I graduated high school probably about I think maybe five eight or five nine, not too much shorter than what I am now, but I weighed one hundred and twenty three pounds. Oh my god, you were tiny. Yeah. So, um, I, I played, I played a receiver in football cause I was fast and had good hands, um, in junior high school, but everybody grew. So I just, I had to do something else. Yeah. I didn't feel like being crushed. Yeah. I was going to say, I think and, you'd uh, be flattened like a pancake. So, uh, I, I kept with baseball and then I also started, um, cross country and track all distance stuff, all endurance stuff from then on. And I also bowled too, and, and uh, I bowled baseball and uh, track and cross country. So did you until? Go ahead. I was gonna say. So you never did a swim team per se. Nope, never did. I'm always I was a swimmer. I mean, I always swam, but I never did a swim team. Just uh, growing up in well, in adolescent years, you know, in in the grade school, fifth, sixth, fourth to the sixth grade, growing up by uh, in, in Panama, you know, and on an isthmus water surrounded by water just what learn from swimming in on the beaches and in pools that the beach swimming is another thing that would come in handy later in your in your life correct so um you grad obviously you graduated high school you didn't go in the navy right away did you no i worked i worked here i worked at the uh um hcb warehouse grocery store chain here i uh, worked at the warehouse selecting and, and, uh, driving forklifts. So what was your final, I don't want to say calling, but what was your final, um, what was your, what was your moment that you realized you wanted to go in the military? I just felt I had to do something different. I had to, I, I couldn't be, couldn't be sitting here. I didn't see myself. Uh, I was going to school then too, a little bit undeclared major, um, took, took, like biologies, uh, sciences, chemistries, that type of deal that you would take for un, the mass for un, undeclared. But I knew it was something, but I didn't know what it was. I knew I, I, I didn't want to be working in a, a, a warehouse driving forklifts. Not that it's a bad thing for our forklift drivers out there. Uh, just something that I didn't want for myself. Didn't want to do it. So when you finally decided, okay, I'm going to go for something bigger, military came up was it was the navy the first choice or was it like so many other people who have said i ended up with yeah, the navy? It, well it was and i originally uh picked the navy because um i wanted to uh go 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 be a seal so did and you, um it, hmm? oh, i was gonna ask so uh what year was that uh um early 90s i think like 91, 92, probably. Yeah, somewhere there, I think. Yeah. Yep. So you watched the amazing documentary called Navy SEALs with uh, featuring the career of Char Charlie Sheen when he was a SEAL? Oh, yeah, I watched that yeah, documentary. I've seen it, I think, <laughs> numerous times. Yes. So um, did, did you try to get like a SEAL package or a, not a SEAL package, but a SEAL guarantee or? I came underneath the Dive Air program. Okay. Which was. So I, I was. It, it was at that time it was it wasn't guaranteed it was 
uh, boot camp, a school, and then uh, buds. Yeah, it, and you guys were kind of in a separate boot camp then, uh, or not a separate boot camp, but a sec like the dive fairs were in a separate company. At, At, I don't think in San Diego they weren't. Oh, okay. So that's what was going to be my next question for you is which which one of the three? Because I know you came in when we had all three. Right. So, so when when um when I went to when I went to boot camp, um after we you know we sat down, they bring us in, um, run a footprints. First thing you do, what do you do? You go and, and get your ears lowered, right? So they take out they take your pride away from you right off the bat, and they put you in a they try to put you in the blue smurf uniforms, uh. uh sweats and then they sit down in the classroom and they talk about where you're at what you're doing here in the navy and they just had some a guy come in the ceo or the xo i can't remember came in and said um for all you guys that are in the black fair program we'll let you know that uh the navy has uh put a, a temporary uh, halt on the black fair program so if you guys would like to um go home We'll, we'll put you on a first thing smoking back to your hometown. So, uh, it's like, well, shit, I just came this far. There's no reason, reason to go back with the fucked up haircut. So I stayed and I stayed and got to keep that, keep the rate. So did you, you, so you came in under the dive fair program as a corpsman? Yes. Cause back then there were, I, I want to say there were five, uh, seal source rates, corpsman, builder, boatswain's mate, and don't remember the other two. I'm not, don't, don't make a liar out of me. There's plenty of uh, Navy haters out there that would probably call in and chastise me for saying the wrong rate. So I have <laughs> no, no yeah. idea. I just want to make sure that, yeah, I just want to clarify that you did want to come in as a corpsman, but then go the pipeline, the, the SEAL pipeline way. I didn't, I really didn't know what I, what I wanted. I wanted to be a corpsman. Um, I don't think I had an interest in the medical field at that time but I knew that it was a source rating that could get me quickest to what I wanted to do. Oh, okay. Okay. They, they even offered me, they offered me, um, they've also offered me a nuke and a boost program right out of, I mean, right there in contract. So, I mean, that would have been, you know, a school, a boot camp, a school, C school promotion, E4, you know what I'm saying? And less than what you're done. What I don't know how boost training, but there's like a year. Yeah. So in, in two, in two years, your E4 promotable was at, at that point, it was a $90,000 bonus. I was going to say, you got a Just huge a bonus. What's that? Back then. Yeah. The boost yeah. program, it was like 90 yeah. to 100 it was, grand. Of, it was one of the highest ones. And then it was, uh, it was uh, and that reenlistment was through the roof too. It was like a uh, five Oh with kickers or something like that, I think. But again, so is that something that you would have wanted to do? No. I, I, I could see you four and out on that one or six and out, wow. whatever the contract required. But yeah. let's go back to a camp. So you get there. Um, you're obviously probably slightly older, if even by a year, um, than the average recruit at the time. I think I was 20 uh, something. Probably yeah. what, 21? 20, yeah, 20, 20, 20 or 21, or just turning 21 or just turned 21. Yeah, somewhere around there. So, um, with your boot camp, did you did you have any expectations at all of of what to expect? I'm mean, like, how did your dad or your stepdad take the news that you were joining the Navy? I said, "Are you sure you want to do the Navy?" And I said, "Yep." And they said, "Why is that?" And I, I told them why, and they said, "Okay." 
They, they told me they prepared me nothing for boot camp. They didn't tell me, hey, you know, you got it. You're gonna have to fold your underwear and 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 three inch squares and your, you know, all that type. Whatever they did in the Air Force, I have no idea what they did in Air Force boot camp, so I couldn't tell you. But I know that they uh, they, nope, they didn't they didn't tell me anything. So you get there and. Don't ask me why it stands out, but we, we learned how to fold clothes in the first few days. Uh, get your gear lockers all all tidied up. Um, do you remember what the uh, most difficult for most difficult thing for boot camp was for you? No. Did you fall in line pretty quick? Get it? Yeah, I was a squad leader, so I kind of had to. Okay. So they probably, the, the company commanders, because I know back then we had company commanders, not RDCs. Mm-hmm. No, we had company commanders as well. Probably saw in you um, a little bit of age and a little bit more maturity than some of the, uh, some of the young kids coming in. I guess. I don't know. Come on, Heath. Stop. I don't know. I don't <laughs> this, know. This I is no weird idea. talking to a humble Heath. <laughs> Well, you're asking me questions that I am humble about. You know, I, I, no, I, I can't I answer know. questions on what they were thinking. I mean, now, what, because the, the recruiters here put me in charge of the whole debt going to San Diego boot camp, would that, would that lead to the same lead to the same thing that you're just saying? And then I got picked a squad later. Well, well, sure. I've made that connection through the years, but I didn't think I was on here to, uh, to, uh, to uh, boost my ego. You know, I love you, man. So anyways, um, I have to ask everyone this because it's, I know I'm it. not drinking Shiner Bach, by the way. What are you drinking? Uh, Boddington's. Oh, the nice beer. Yes. So, speaking of a, a crappy beer, one of the things that uh, everyone in all the boot camps, uh, let me rephrase that, most of the boot camps I can think of, I don't know about the Air Force, there's that day that you show up to this little room full of gas. How did you uh, enjoy your first time getting gas? Oh, everybody knows gas, <clears throat> tear gas, or, or CS sucks. Yeah. Did, uh, yeah. did you guys have anyone try to bolt, or did you try to bolt? No, I, no, I just stayed in there with the mat. Because, I mean, in Navy, you didn't even have, all, you have a, all you had to do was take your mask off, put it back on, clear it, take it off, and walk out the dang door. That see, I don't remember it that way. I remember specifically having to answer a few questions. Well, but then maybe, again, I'm not, I was up in Great Lake, so it was. I think I think we did. I think we did. Uh, I think we were doing like a Sailor's Creed or something. Yeah, that may have been it. Um, I think we were doing a Sailor's Creed or the or the uh, Pledge of Allegiance or or something. But it wasn't a long time. Like FMF, you sat in there for a long time with your with your eyes and yeah, and, and everything else like that, and so. So yeah, it was much different. So as you were going through, did you, did you start to, cause I know you as a guy who's really into the Navy. When I met you, you're a chief and you were really good at that. Did you start to get into some of the heritage and pride that, uh, during boot camp that they were teaching you or did that come? Uh, you know, I don't, I'm always been a history buff anyways. Uh, my mom was a history major. I think I got that about from her, uh, but not, not, not so much. I mean, all the, the, the boot camp stuff and, and the blue jacket manuals and the lineage of, of the USS constitution and everything else like that. I think that was, I thought that was pretty cool. I almost wore my, my, my Connie hat today. Um, 
but I decided to wear this one instead. So, uh, I don't know. I, not, not, not so much. I just, you know, boot camp, but to me was something that I, that I had to get done to make it to where I wanted to go. So it's just, just a, just a, just a, just a stop along waypoint along a destination, you know? So did the family come out for graduation then? No. Did you, uh, did you end up taking leave back to Texas or did you just go, I, I'm guessing you went to, uh, Balboa for course school? Yes. Yeah. I went to, um, I took leave after boot camp, uh, picked up my car and then drove it back across the, to, uh, San Diego. So how, I think you're the first person I've had on that's a corpsman that went to a school at Balboa. How was that? At Balboa, did you guys, where was the schoolhouse? Right, schoolhouse was, was, was uh, um, trying to think of where the, when you see, so you drive up in the, in the, in the main gate? Yeah. Okay, and you go up to the main gate, you know, all the parking, you have some parking on the right, some parking on the left. The schoolhouse was all the way to the left. Oh, okay. All the way to the left and the back of, in the, to the left. And so, and our barracks were, where used to be the old, I think it used to be the old Balboa hospital used to be. I think it's building um, 16, like the six or seven story. 16 building. or 26 or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I think it's 26. 26. I think it's 26. I think you're right. Yep. And it was oh, open, okay. it was open squad bay. I mean, it was okay. It was for the fact of, uh, uh, well, one, I was the master at arms there. And, uh, so you can, you can put this, you go, you put all this, all this leadership stuff together. <laughs> um, and so, um, I was at, uh, a master at arms there. Just, I mean, you know, I had a little bit of, I, like I said, I was, I was a lifeguard and knew first aid stuff, CPR, before I even went to course school. wasn't really that difficult of a, of a deal. Um, I'm sorry for all those of you that, that went to course school, had a hard problem um, with, 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 with that school, but it wasn't, it wasn't difficult at all. Uh, um, and then, uh, so the fact that they, that what made, that made it the worst is that uh, it kind of, and you learn about the, how the Navy sucks sometimes or military sucks when you join, but it happened this, I mean, besides just doing what you didn't want to do or doing what you're told to do and probably don't want to do it. I'm talking about just like the, the, the this just getting screwed over by something, by the system a little bit. Uh, nothing bad, but you know, we had to move squad base three different times. And every time we got into a new squad bay, it was, it was, one was we started in, in the hold. So a lot of us in our class were in this holding squad bay. Um, and those of you who watch the podcast, I don't know anything about the military, you know, you got a field day every week, right? So you got to, so you take ownership of the shithole and you, and you clean it up and make it good. So it passed inspections. Well, then they move you out of this place and put you in another squad bay and it's a shithole. And so you got to square that one away after you just spent time, get this other one squared away to where you want to do it. And then after the third time, we finally got to stay, but where they moved us is they moved us back up into the, 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 uh, the, not the medical hole, but the, the, the class hold barracks, they turned that into our squad bay and then they moved them somewhere else. And so now all these people who didn't give a shit about where you're living after we were in there before, screw it all up. So we got to square this thing away again. Did they tell you, did did they tell you why they kept moving you or is that part of like the core school game back then? I just, no, I don't think it was part of any game. I think they just moved because um, they had a smaller class. I, I, I mean, and then again, still, you know, ours is not to ask why, but to do and die. So uh, there was, I didn't ask why. I can only hypothesize, but it seemed that, we, I mean, we, at the point of moving, you know, 
30 to 40 wall lockers and bunks out in the hallway, stripping the floors, you know, cleaning them, stripping them, waxing them, went to the dry. I mean, that's a whole weekend right there. Yeah. I mean, I know you, so you went in after I did, cause I went in in 91 and mm-hmm. I went up to Great Lakes and we were in two or four man um, barracks rooms. I didn't know yep. that. I didn't know that Balboa was all squad base. That's crazy. All, yep, squad base. So were you, again, comparing the two different schools, us almost immediately, it was civilian clothes, shit, liberty, uh, every day at the end of the workday. Did you guys have that or were you guys uh, uniformed up? Uh, no, for we had liberty? it. We, okay. No, we had it. We had the same thing. I mean, as long as you didn't screw up or you weren't on duty. You know, if you're on, if you're on a watch bill, you know, you're back then there was no, there was no changing out in civilian clothes. Even if you were going to, you know, you didn't, you didn't, one, you didn't, if you're on duty, you didn't leave base because you didn't have cell phones back then. You didn't, and you had pagers, but only the ODs and stuff would have, or CDOs would have the pagers and whatnot. Um, but if you're on duty, you're, you're either in the barracks or you're somewhere on base where the, the, the duty knows where you're at. Um, and you're in uniform and that's the way it was back then. So for when you guys did your, um, your, your, your time at the hospital, where'd you end up at your, uh, at Bubba? Like when you, I forgot what it was called now. I'm drawing a blank, you know, towards rotations. The, that's it. Rotations. Um, what do I, well, I certain I do that so long ago, man. I don't even remember where I rotated. Um, wow. I can't remember. That's okay. The, no, I, um, I can't. I, no, 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 no. I, no, I, it wasn't, Holy it shit. wasn't a, a make it or break it question by any yeah. means, but it was more of, um, again, going back to who I know when I met you in 2007 versus back then, Mr. Medicine, IDC at that point in time. Um, did you get the medicine bug while you were at core school or did that come later? I don't know if I, I don't know, I don't even know if I really have a medicine bug, but I know that uh, um, that was my job, and I and you know I got to do it because that's what I signed up to do. So you finally graduate uh, core school. I'm assuming this is somewhere probably about ninety three ish. Yeah, some uh, yeah somewhere. Did you end up? going to get shipped off to field med or did they send you to a hospital first? No, right to field med. So I'm hoping the Navy was smart enough to send you up to Pendleton. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm in Pendleton. Cause you know, the yeah. Navy does dumb stuff like that, like send you over to Camp Lejeune to go to field med. Yeah. Um, so what was that interaction like going up to Camp Pendleton and now you're spent all of what the last six months learning Navy and now you got to learn Marine. Yeah, I was kind of what Marines, you know, and, and yeah, I didn't expect anything really. Like I take everything for face value, regardless. Yeah. So I, if you if you if you yeah, I think if you stretch, stretch try to stretch yourself out about things, it's just not gonna. I don't think it turned out too good, but it gives you. I think your brain likes to to do weird stuff with with what, what your thoughts do up in there, and they give you a false uh, perception of what you're getting into. A false so, negative perception. So going through it, how'd you, uh, how did, what was your thoughts though, as far as, uh, again, going from 
being very, very Navy oriented to now you're with the Marines, you're humping, you're, you're doing a hell of a lot more PT than what the Navy side would do. Um, how did, how did you, how did that change or how did you handle that? Did you have a desire after that to go do um, more, what's the word I'm looking for? More green side stuff, or did you want to get back and. So one thing I remember about my rotations in the hospital is that I knew I didn't want to work in a hospital. Um, and so then I was looking for other, since they, since they, since, uh, since I wasn't in that, in that, uh, in the, um, the, the buds pipeline or buds, uh, uh, program anymore because they got rid of it. I mean, we were still able to take the screening in boot camp uh, during work week, which we did. And then it, because we were there and we did pass it, um, we did get to PT most of our boot camp work week, which probably probably pissed a lot of people off because where they're going to sling chow at the chow hall, I'm swimming and running and working out with the, uh, all the, all the, all the, whoever the, the seal motivators were right there at, uh, boot camp at the time at the work at the pool. Well, oh, that's right. And I also forgot, uh, I didn't even click that, uh, Coronado's right down the road from yep. the old RTC San Diego. Yep. And then when you had marching party day, once a week, if you were really jacked up, they would wait till Wednesday when, when the seals would come to run that, that, uh, PT session. Oh, joy. So, um, when you were up at field med, I know I went to field med much later, uh, cause my first command, the CBs didn't require you to be field med for a corpsman at that time. Did you, um, did they bring up the recon screening? So yeah, when I was at, yeah, when I was at field med, they brought it up and you can take it, and, uh, after one of the, the PRTs, I can't remember if it was the last one or, or it wasn't the first one or that pre, you took a pre PRT and then, you know, uh, physical stuff was never too difficult for me. Um, running, swimming, all that stuff. Not, not really that difficult. They came, came naturally to me. So, but I mean, not to say that, that, that the suck didn't suck and the pain didn't hurt. I'm just saying that I've always been, been good, uh, endurance athlete. Right. No, the reason why I was asking is, so did you decide to screen for recon? I did. I did. There was uh, I think there was eight of us that started and, and I think two or three of us finished, I think. So what happened after field med? So after field med, I, had, I already had orders before I went to field med. I had follow on orders, uh, to Naval hospital, Millington, Tennessee. Oh, joy. So uh, upon completion of the pipeline, I could not get an order mod. Right. So to do, uh, any type of recon or. I think back then there wasn't even, there wasn't a pipeline just yet. I think there I well, a newer one. There was an older pipeline type of deal, but I didn't, I couldn't get a mod to, to go that way. And so I ended up going uh, to a Naval Hospital in Millington, Tennessee. So does that screening follow you then? Or did, was that a, I don't want to say a wasted screening, but a wasted screening? Yeah, well, it's good for, I think it's good for, like six months or whatever. I'm not sure what they're good for now. I can't remember what we used to say our screenings were good for. Um, but well, I mean, if you got a physical exam and stuff like that, that's and it's signed off with a, with a special operations physical or what, what, whatever they're calling it these days, that's good for five years regardless. Sure. Um, however, unless you're a dive candidate, 
And then I think it's good for a year or two years and you have to get another one. Oh, okay. Okay. That makes sense. Something, something like that. I don't remember. So you go to the one place that you were not looking forward to going, which was a hospital. How was your time at Millington? Um, it was pretty good. Um, I originally, uh, think when I start off trying to think, hold on. I was at the hospital. I had, um, orders to, uh, the branch medical clinic, uh, aviation medicine. Oh, nice. So all I did was physicals for, for a long time. Uh, and then the TAD assignment came up during the summer, which a couple months after I got there, I think I got there in February or March, excuse me. I'm not sure, but then, um, operation bulldog happened. So that's where they get Navy corpsmen to go support, uh, summer OCS Marine Corps OCS uh, classes. Oh, okay. So I ended up working there for like three or four months. So how was that dealing with the OCS kids? It's back with, you know, like FMS stuff, you know, it's just Marine Corps. Were these actual like midshipmen or were they? Um... There's some midshipmen. There's a class, my companies, Kilo company, they have different companies. Uh, it was uh, uh, regular OCS candidates. You had ROTC stuff there and you also did have midshipmen as well. Oh wow! But the midship, the midshipmen, the midshipmen candidates were always kept separate from the other companies. They were oh, really? never intermingled the classes. Now, if you had a marine regular marine OCS vices, a um, uh, what you call it, um, ROTC right candidate, Marine Corps OCS candidate, not non ROTC, they would be in the same companies. But they kept uh, they kept the the the, the Mike company or midshipmen Annapolis cats separate different so classes. Was that and like, they did different and they did different things and they got treated differently. Was that like a summer program for them then? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, so I, I think I think the reason I mean that the why that they may treat them a little differently was this is my opinion of course is that you know the the. Navy and Marine Corps both want these Annapolis officers to come to their units because they know they're going to be the, um, that are the, the Annapolis grads are the, the, the best of the best. And they want them to come to the Marine Corps. And so they might not treat them as harsh as they would say an OCS candidate or a ROTC candidate who, you know, their option is to be there. Right. If, if one of the midshipmen don't like the, um, um, Marine Corps OCS or whatever summer duty was, and they said, well, "I'll just ask." It's Navy. I don't have to go over there. I don't have to go to the Marine Corps. Yeah, I know. That so they have sense. they have an option. So I mean, they 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 eat separately. They have their own, they have their own chow hall. I mean, it's just crazy. And, oh, and then you so walk around and oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, completely. Oh, okay. And and they're smaller, and their 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 barracks are different. Um, uh, some some of the, some of the cats would would uh, uh, I remember. They walk around and, and I, I walked them by, walked by them. And I was maybe a E3 at a time. I think I put on E3 uh, time and grade wise um, on my way to Memphis in hospital Millington. And um, just stopped me and said, Hey, so we don't, you don't, you don't, you didn't salute me. I said, yeah, I, I don't salute you. I, what is that? What is that? What is that insignia on your, on your collar? I don't recognize that. And they said, well, this is a midshipman insignia. I said, yeah. You got a commission yet? And he said, no. I said, I don't need to salute you. Have a good day. And I walked away. 
had that conversation with a couple of them in my career too. Yeah. So, well, it's also not a good way to start your career thinking that people owe you a salute when they don't, when you're not even a commissioned officer. Well, I know. So that to me says something about their character. Of course. So your time in Millington, uh, you do the Operation Bulldog. That's probably what, just over the summer then? Over summer. And then you could, you could opt to do a, a winter class. Um, however, I did not. My command so, would let me stay gone any longer. So, how so was, it, was already ni- it was already 90 plus days I was gone in the command. Oh, wow. uh, they came TAD'd me, uh, which I found out later. They should have PCS'd me because over 90 days. But they, uh, they didn't. I don't know why, but they just didn't. I don't know. I wasn't too involved in all that PCS stuff back then. Yeah. I just knew that if I went to Quantico, Virginia, that I can get away from the hospital. Okay. That's what I was going to ask you. Where was it at? Quantico, Virginia. Oh, okay. Nice. So as you're going through all of this, you get back to Millington. Um, where do you go back to aviation medicine or do you go? I went, I went to the, I went to the clinic for a little bit. Um, not very long. Yeah, I'm trying to think because I, I I'm trying to think of where I was living at a time and where I was working. Um, yeah, I went there back for a little bit and then they moved me because they used to do a rotation, right? You do a certain amount of time, six months here, six months here, and the and the goal I guess for the Navy is to is for you as a as a undesignated or a schooler is to find a uh, specialty within a hospital that where you'd probably want to get a C school out of, right? So, um, yeah, that wasn't. That was none of it. And so I, I did OBGYN for a few months and didn't, I requested to leave there. Um, I went, I think, I think it was OBGYN. Yeah, I think OBGYN was there. Yes, for, yes, it was. And then um, I ended up in operations management and stayed there in the linen room uh, for a duration of my, my tour there and ended up being the, the LPO of that shortly thereafter as an E3. So did you, um, during this time, did you ever think about trying to find a C school or were you just trying to get back into a field or get to a field unit? Get to somewhere and that's not a hospital. That was my goal. So where did you go after, uh, after Millington? I went to 7th Com Battalion in, in uh, Okinawa, Japan. Now, not that I want to go to a comm battalion and know all the comm guys out there are like, hey, there's all the comm battalion. You're right. That's all the comm battalion, but I didn't want to be in a comm battalion. You didn't want to be in a crime so, battalion? <laughs> you can call it that. Seven the crime, as they called it. And so, um, and the one here on the on, one there on the West Coast, I think it's ninth crime. So yep. I know ninth um, crime well. Yes. So um, they, when, I think my thoughts right. So I chose orders. So they had, they had, I, I, they had me the PCS when the orders, when I negotiated for orders, uh, they, had all, they had a lot of stuff available and I, I didn't, didn't want to do that. Didn't want to do that. I said, they said, well, how about going to Okinawa? And I said, Okinawa, Okinawa, that's, that's Japan, right? I said, yeah. I said, okay, cool. What's open there? And uh, they said, um, third shrig, third surveillance, reconnaissance, intelligence group, three meth. And I said, well, that sounds pretty cool. I'll take that. Bye, baby. See you a little bit? Yes. All right. All right. Fair safe. Sorry, that was my wife. 
Eat it up, guys. Eat it up. <laughs> so, anyways, you were saying um, Shrig. Yeah, so it's the third Shrig. So I uh, um, I went there, and uh, but lo and behold, that when I checked in at third Shrig, there was, you know, three meth, and you go to the DSO, or DSO, uh, Defense Service Office of Okinawa, they take care of all this other stuff. All, all the, they, I guess, liaison between the Navy, Marine Corps, and their sailors attached to these Marine Corps units for purposes of, of pay um, because Marine Corps pay and Navy pay is different. Go figure. Um, I don't know, right? How can I have like one big military pay system, right? Make everything so easy. Um, especially when when people want to cross compartmentalize to different other special operations units and you can't. So um, until, until like almost 20 years later, um, and so the, uh, I said, yeah, it says shrig, but, um, part of three meth, you belong to three meth. So you're going to seven com battalion. So two units that belong to seven, uh, the shrig, you, it, it was it fed two, two different commands. It fed, uh, seven com battalion and it fed, uh, fifth force recon company on camp Hanson, Okinawa at the time. And so people know UIC is, you know, uh, what is it? Unit identifying code. Correct. It's typically what a four digit code that identifies different Navy and Marine Corps units. Four or six? Six. 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 Yes. So. Five. I, I think it's six. I don't remember. I, yeah, me neither. Um, so anyways, so you were literally at a point where eight, it was a. Eight, one. Four zero. Yes, six. No, eight, eight, one, four, zero. Eight, 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 one, eight, four, zero. Okay, five. five. So you were at a point in time where it was literally a coin flip. They could have said fifth force or they could have said seventh, uh, seventh com. Right. And they didn't, I mean, I mean, they could have, I don't know, maybe some, maybe some chiefs over there watching the guy or people walking this out. Yes, this dude, not this dude, or maybe you get this one next or find out where the manning is hurting the most and go there. Yeah. And th so, this, was this anything like modern Navy uh, where you had a mentor and you had some idea of what was coming in before you flew out from Millington or did you just kind of jump on a plane and show I up? I don't remember. I don't remember if I had a sponsor. I don't, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think I had a sponsor. I'm trying to think of no, because back then you got picked up from the airport on a bus, cattle car, whatever you want to call it. They picked you up down there at Naha and all your stuff. And you went to a joint reception center, JRC on, on board Camp Foster. And you're there for a week. I don't know, maybe two. I have a long to get through. And then when you get through all this stuff of, of all the, all the, the briefs, country briefs and everything else you need to have and, and the sofa, sofa status and all that stuff uh, about the uh, Japanese Okinawans and, and everything else and more like telling you what you what what you you cannot do um they probably made the whole week a lot a lot shorter if they just say hey these are the only things you can do <laughs> um so i know shit and this is before this is before the big uh two marines and one navy corpsman who 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 beat up and raped that little girl in in, Kin, in kinville okinawa right that was before that and so um we still had you know overnight liberty out in town if we wanted to there was no there was no uh uh, uh well drinking restrictions yes 
um, for 18 on the whole island uh, because you can go right outside the base and drink for at 18 years old anyway. So I think it was, it was the base was, was 18. I think they changed it after that, not too long ago. Uh, after that. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And so we had, there was no, but everything, you know, um, if you stuff like if you're not an E5 or above, you're not driving, you can't buy or E4 and above, you can't own a car, can't get a driver's license. Um, of course, we're all Marine Corps standards. So, you know, you get to unit, you re- request a shit to, to buy a car or to, or to get a driver's license, you know, then of course, then you got to meet with the, the command or your unit's uh, financial rep. And uh, to make sure you have enough money and you're you're squared away enough to afford uh, buying a car and having a car and stuff like that. So um, you were you left uh, Millington as what and as a HN? I think I, I was H, yes because when I yes I was HN no well I got promoted I, I made I made on a test from 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 Millington to uh when I'm Okinawa I was a uh, uh in transit I got selected for uh uh pay officer uh, third class. Oh, okay. Uh, so you basically showed up as a as a frock waiting to get frocked. Yes. So pretty people much know. I think something really, really close. Yeah. So the people understand the Navy is one of those few uh branches of the military that likes to give you the responsibility. Wait, what's the exact wording? You are authorized to wear the rank of petty officers third class and you have all the duties and responsibilities, but you do not get the pay until your advancement date. And if you, if you fuck up within that time frame, you don't go back to three, you go back to two. (laughs) So you don't get another pay, but you you get, you you get the, and and you get, you don't get the the punishment you get. So you don't get the pay, but you get the punishment. Yeah. Okay. Now you get, you, you get the status of that next rank, but you don't. Yeah. You don't get, get the, the pay. pay, but they <laughs> so, will definitely take it from you twice. Over. As, as, as a young HM three, I don't think I would want to be frocked in Okinawa. I think I'd want to go there already set in that pay grade. That's just me though. So, um, so you get there, uh, brand new shiny HM three. Yeah, and like a like a dumbass, you know, uh, the, I showed up, get this, and go to the physical department. He also have two doctors, and then coming in about the same time frame, new doctors, great doctors. Uh, Michael Cazell, uh, uh, I think I don't know if he's retired. He was a, he was a, a general practice, but then they specialized in orthopedics. Um, the dude is phenomenal. And then uh, William Carter, I think he was a radiologist. I think he went to Balboa, and then Dr. Cazell, he went to. Uh, June and I called him and last time I, t- I talked to him in 2008 last time I talked to him and I asked him for some orthopedic information and uh and we talked for a long period of time so uh for a case that I had at when I was at third recon so now you get there <coughs> excuse me and this is I mean you've lived overseas as a kid but this mm-hmm. is your first adult adventure overseas with the military um what was just the day-to-day life like over there? I mean, I mean, the barracks was right by the damn company, right by the medical, right by the medical office. So I woke up, 
went to chow or made my breakfast, which I didn't do too much in the chow halls then there because I just didn't dig the chow hall food. Um, I could figure I can eat more nutritious just buying it myself. Uh, and so I requested, I requested um, comrades and live in the barracks. And the Marine Corps shot down and said no, but Navy Command said yes. And so I got comrades living in the barracks. Uh, but I never ate in a chow hall. Never? I, I, very rarely. If not, I paid the full per diem price. So, um, which was hardly ever. Uh, sometimes I did, sometimes I didn't. It just all, all just mattered. And it took it took almost almost the whole time in Okinawa to get that approved. So I did either eat, you know, out of my own pocket or I did eat a chow hall from time to time. So now with you... Um with you being a young HM3, you're there in Okinawa. Were, were you guys working out of a BAS or were you working out of an yeah. actual clinic? Battalion A station. It was a uh, crime, a comp battalion. Sorry. <laughs> so, uh, just out of curiosity, what was your what was your first duties? Did you did they put you out in one of the companies or did they keep you as a BAS corpsman for a while? Um, they, uh, we did, we did like bad coverages. It wasn't, it wasn't, it was go support the whole operation type of deal. And we'd set up a field, uh, a field of BAS, that type of doing everything we're running out there. Um, cause you know, a common support anyways. So you were like, where the comm side is, you said it's something locally to where the stuff is going to be. Uh, and then they just come in into the, the battalion A station. So did you, so you covered, uh, like ranges and stuff like that as well? Um, very rarely do we cover a range. Every once in a while we cover a range. Yes, we covered like the hikes, the PTs, um, some of the ranges, uh, and uh, and and just other evolutions that went on the training evolutions out in the field evolutions. You know, and we and again we'd set up. We'd have our own either CP or GP tent. We go in there and we'd set up a battalion A station with AMOL cans. And, uh, back then, uh, you didn't have heaters, but we had, we did have heaters. We had uh, these things called, uh, some of the old crusty guys might know these called Yukon stoves, which they burned, they burned, uh, uh, mo gas or kerosene and, or whatnot, or diesel fuel as a big old heater with a smokestack that went to the roof. Okay. I think I've seen those before. Really? Yeah. Those are like uh, vintage Korea type things. Mm-hmm. And we still had them. So did you, you were there for what? Two years? I was there. That, that tour was, yeah, right around, not quite two years. So during that time, did you guys get on a Mew or do a Westpac or? No, I didn't. I did not. I went, I did. I support a lot of other training evolutions uh, um, to mainland Japan. Um, I went to Thailand, of course. Uh, you know, there's they're, the ones that do. You know, you have, they used to have this thing called UFL um, or Freedom Banner um, in Korea. I don't think they call it UFL. I know they call. I know they don't call it Freedom Banner anymore. Back in the day, they would call it Freedom Banner, and then right after Freedom Banner would be UFL. Then you also have Cobra Gold stuff that goes on in Thailand, and you have uh, stuff that goes there. You have always got ops that go to the Philippines, and of course, I you know, don't like staying, you know, sedimentary. So any deployment that I can get off the island to go, I'd go. I went to Korea and I stayed there for a long time. Uh, basically lived in Pohang, Korea for a while, uh, down there, they have a, a training center. Or I can't remember what their base is called in Pohang, uh, there and got to see some other stuff, other bases, other army bases there in, in, in Korea. Um, went to, went to, uh, Cobra gold, uh, 
uh, went to the Philippines, went to Australia. There's all different types of ops, you know, in Thailand, of course. Um, and that, in that area. So during your time over there, did you ever reach out to the recon side and say you wanted to screen or? Yep, I did right towards, uh, I, I would do some, um, one of the guys that was at 7th Combat Time when I showed up, was still a good friend of mine to this day. He actually ended up in the, in the army uh, being a warrant officer. Um, and, and he went over to, he stayed on the island and went over to 5th Force. And then we would do, we would do like flopping, uh, like bag coverages for training. So if anybody's been at the FMF or you're watching this podcast here at the FMF and you're sitting, you're always sitting on a bag and you don't get to do any of the cool training, uh, granted, uh, go through your, your ops and your chain of command. But if you can bring another corpsman out there so you guys can, one can sit in the bag, one can train, and then you swap out, you guys get training. Yeah. And that's what we, that's what we did. Trade-offs uh, all the time. Yep. And, um, some by my, sometimes I would have out there covering the whole range. So, so, so they could, they could do what they got to do. And later on, maybe if there was a Gila cast or there was a, a fast rope or, or some repelling or something train that went on, then they throw me a bone. So I was happy with that. So what was, time. what what was your, uh, we're both chiefs. We both, I think deeply appreciate being chiefs. But back in back in those days, what how were your chiefs back then, or did you really interact with them as a young third class? Um, I didn't. I, you know, I had I, the, the chief at uh, the chiefs at uh, at the hospital were seemed to be pretty cool. But you know, your you know your your first duty station, the last thing you want to do is be around a bunch of khakis. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So the, those are the guys, or the or the senior first classes were the guys that are busting your balls for the last eight weeks. And yes, boot camp was eight weeks back then, guys. Um, it still is. So, is it? I don't know. I think so. I I'll have know. to look into that. Um, eight or nine weeks or something like that. So I thought it was six, but that could be wrong. Um, so um, I lost my train of thought. Oh, you were uh, just so, saying. You know, last thing I was around, around the Chiefs, you know, and then, but, you know, uh, to me that, the, you know, couple things even in this day you know the worst thing is either a, a good thing or a bad thing to be in a chief's office and you always hope it's the it's the good thing yeah when she calls you to his office so um it's uh you know you had you know, had, a, had a chief and a, uh uh that was from belize and he had a really thick accent and really hard to understand him but very easily to make fun of him <laughs> so um between that and uh, another friend of mine named rick vukovic uh I'm dropping his name on here. I didn't want to drop names, but he's a really funny dude. We had a blast um, in, in seventh, seventh communication battalion. Um, we did, I mean, I was, in, did, did immunizations. We did, I ran, uh, I was the, the, the sick call petty officer for a little bit until we got another guy, HM1 Arnie, who was a, was a core school instructor, came from core school, really cool dude. Uh, and then an HM2 Lissy, who was, a, who was a Matt tech. Um, just so happened that he, uh, he fell into there and he did all of our, our, all of our admin. Um, our first class, what was his name? Feliciano. What was his last name? Hey, so Feliciano was his last name, the Filipino guy. He's okay. He had a really thick Filipino accent. Also very easy to make fun of and mock. Uh, so it made everything go a little easier with me and Duke. So we would always, we'd always either uh, during like a shot call or easy immunizations every day at 1300. He would be one of me to be the chief and I would be the first class 
and we would just imitate them while we're giving shots the rest of the afternoon. So did, coming from a hospital, um, you fell under very strict hospital co- protocols. Uh, you're probably fell under some nurses, depending on which ward or which clinic you were working in. No. Um, so you never did any of the floor, the ward time over there. Where I was going with that though, was the, um, the difference between working in a hospital and working in a BAS is huge. Um, you're Your really, autonomy. you're really intimate with the doctors, which yep. I don't think you get at all in the hospital. Did, did that change your, did you enjoy that? Um, did that spark more of an interest for you? You know, we, I had Dr. Carter and Dr. Cazell were, were, were awesome uh, teachers. I mean, they, we, we would have, I mean, religiously, we would have training uh, every Thursday. It didn't make a difference. Every Thursday after lunch was always training. Um, we went to lunch at 11, come back at noon, and we're training until day's over, depending upon their class. And it wouldn't be, sometimes they would do, do some other teaching, but something that was, uh, they wanted to cover that was important to color, but most of it, it was Corman teaching the Corman. It's a peer to peer instruction period. And you had to prepare your classes. Um, they would say, okay, pay officer Werner Thursday, you got training. And part of the training is going to be uh, ankle exams. I need you to give a class on, on ankle exams. That's what they tell you. They would tell you how to do it. They would tell you, this is what I want. And you know, it's going to have to, you know, and he looked back and it depends on what it is. He's going to have to cover, you know, the anatomy and physiology of the ankle, you know, the exams, the different type of exams, positive, negative results uh, for ankle exam, all the anterior, posterior, drawers, the ankle, you know, nerves, uh, uh, pulses, all that, all that stuff. And uh, they wouldn't, um, sometimes they'd ask to see it, but most of the time it just lets you run with what you had. And if they had anything, that uh need to add then they would they would add it at the end of your class yeah no i get that completely because that's how that's how we were doing it at lar too the the other thing that um you and i were both taught on this i'm pretty sure was the soap note the subjective objective assessment and plan and it was the first place that you really were autonomous enough that like my doctors i worked for 90% 90% of the time they'd say, take it out to the plan and show me what you got. And if they ever questioned you, then they would go do the exam. But other than that, they left you be, was it the same for you? Well, it depends on the person and, and, and your rapport with the doctors. And if you actually knew what the hell you were doing, um, if they had the confidence in you that you could, that you could see and do stuff. And yeah, I mean, you know, I had Mondays because comm battalion was a mixed gender uh, battalion. Mondays was, was, was Pat Mondays. I don't know how many, how many uh, pumps I did with Dr. Carr, Dr. Cozell, but they're always in my room doing them. So um, I have my own room. I was, I ran the whole, basically the whole back of the house from, I mean, you come and check in with the LPO, which is Arnie, but everything from physical exams, immunizations, our, we had our own, own pharmacy in there as well. Uh, we counted, we counted out our own meds, our own bottles, our own pill bottles, uh, printed our own labels and, and everything else there. Um, well, we didn't print them. We hand wrote them back then, right? Put them in little Ziploc bags. Um, uh, and we, we kept, we had our logs and everything else in there. So all, all that I was responsible for. Uh, and uh, so, um, you know, uh, if they had the confidence in you to do it, sure. Until they, until uh, they would have the confidence. They, most of the time they said, 
you know, all right, go see this patient, uh, run it by Pet Officer Warner before you bring it to see me. Yep. That's basically, yeah, the same thing on uh, where I was at. So you do your time in Okinawa. When you go screen, what were you, what were you expecting from the screening? So much things to be hard. I found out the standards, you know, what to do, what it, what it, what it entailed. Um, and it was the old, old, I mean, it, this wasn't the, uh, it was, but it, back then it was more, um, you had to, and I remember I took the screen before. Uh, so you, you had to take, um, uh, a Marine Corps PFT first thing, boom, Marine Corps PFT. It didn't make a difference. If you passed one yesterday, you're taking another one. Um, a Marine Corps PFT, and then you get into the recon stuff. So, you know, uh, unlike the recon now, qualifications. unlike now then for the corpsman, it's pretty close to the seal screener now, isn't it? Well, that's what, yeah. Well, um, when, when I left active duty, I, yes, it was. But they always had a little bit more um, on there. You know, so if I, if I remember correctly, when, say, you wanted to screen to, to go into this from a Navy or whatever um, to go to school, they give you the, 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 the SEAL screening. And that would get the paperwork rolling so you can actually go into the pipeline. Um, but when you go to BRC... You're not, you're not taking the bud screening anymore. You know, you're, you're going to take a Marine Corps day one at base reconnaissance course, you're taking a Marine Corps PFT. And then you're going to go into the recon screening. And after recon screening, then what, what your numbers are, your numbers are. Add all up, tally it. And anywhere down the road, if you didn't have this, you know, and back then it was a, a I think it was a two, when I took my, I think it was a 290 PRT uh, recon PFT. I mean, 290 or 285 or something. Um, and if just, you didn't, and right there, I mean, right there, you would, you would take the test. And if you, if you got your two, 285 or I think it's 285, I think 285 or better, then you can go to recon screening. If not, you, you grabbed your shit and then left. You didn't just, get to stay around for the whole thing. Just so people know, uh, the Marine Corps PRT is a three mile run, two minutes, max pull up or no, no time limit on the pull-ups. So max pull-ups and two minute timed. Uh, uh, 20, max, 20 max pull-ups, dead hangs. Right. And that was a no, no swaying, arms completely locked out. It's not an now easy I, PRT. Now, when I first, when we first came in, there was kipping uh, available, allowed. But then they got rid of it and it turned into dead hangs. Oh, okay, I didn't realize that. So yep, you, there was kipping allowed. So you go, you screen. You passed the screening. Hmm. Um, were you able to get orders or did you already have orders before that to go somewhere else? So I had, I had no orders to go nowhere because uh, I was holding out. I, I took the screening. Um, Hold on a minute, Tom. I got, I got, hold on. Can you mute this real quick? Can you pause it? All right. Sorry. I know you something you, you can edit now. So you good. Give me something, give me some work to do. Um, so, um, yeah, from, from, from Oki, the first tour of Oki, I went into the pipeline. Uh, they had just, uh, they had just, they had just re, 
redid the, I think they redid the pipeline a little bit. They moved some, they moved, they're fixing to move it all to uh, Fort Bragg from here in San Antonio. I was kind of pretty happy that uh, I was going the pipeline and that the 18 Delta portion of it um, would be in San Antonio because I'd be at home. Uh, but they moved it to Fort Bragg, North Carolina, which I don't know if anybody's been to Fayetteville, but there's, there a, reason, there's a reason why they call it Vietnam. Yes. So, um, did you stay with fifth force then, or did that you go to a different, I, I was never with fifth force. I stayed at seventh Com battalion. But I mean, when you start, when you started the process of going through the recon pipeline, what unit oh, did they I, send you to? No. I, so I didn't go to any unit. I passed the, I passed the, um, I passed the, the, the recon screening. Uh, and, uh, so as a corpsman, here, here you are, right? So you go back to the, you following the standards. So one day, so they used to have index on Okinawa and, it, and the index would last all weekend long. It wasn't a one day deal. Um, but since I was a corpsman and there didn't have an index running and I was up for orders really soon, uh, we, it, we did one and the, 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 the start corpsman and the corpsman from fifth force, uh, they ran, they ran my, my index or my, my screening. And we did a bud screening. We did a Mincor PFT. And then we did the, uh, then we did the recon screening all in one day. Okay. 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 So, uh, and then after that, um, submit all, all the paperwork and, and, uh, I mean, did, did, I did my whole package myself. I got kicked back a couple of times, but I was a third class, not knowing what he's doing, trying to find, uh, follow the pubs and, uh, and, and, the, and the, the physical standards and everything else. Um, got all my stuff done. Then my package got accepted into a recon pipeline and had orders out of Okinawa to um, uh, the basic recon course. Or back then, I went to the East Coast. I went to uh, Fort Story, Virginia, and it's called the Amphib Recon School, ARS. So you were an uh, East Coast guy on ARS then? Yes, which so no longer exists anymore. At any point in time before you screened, did you have any hopes of going to buds or did you give that up once you found out about recon? So we, we left out a, a portion of, of, of stuff, uh, what happens with the, with the buds thing. Uh, and, uh, and for sake of, of boring anybody, I'm not, I'll leave that part out of it. But after, after I took the screening at boot camp, I was good to go talk to the dive motivator that was at, 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 uh, at, um, San Diego. Um, we did, there wasn't, since there was no diet fair program, then there wasn't any special bud students in San Diego. Um, we all just got together and PT'd a little bit. Um, me and me and the chief there didn't have a, a really good, a really good, uh, a gelling of ideas on the physical standards that we need to be doing, um, before going to buds. Uh, he believed we should be working on a teamwork effort and everybody stays together during the runs and everything else like this. Well, I was one that says, well, why, why can't we do ability groups? It's still, it's still does teamwork. You do it together, but you're not slowing down the ones that are, are more physically fit and faster and stronger than the other ones. And, uh, and he didn't like that. And I didn't like him. And so I said, screw you. I'll get to where I got to go somewhere else. Okay. That makes sense. And for some reason I can actually see you do that. Yep. I did. So you now travel halfway around the world 
literally to get to ARS. Uh, what was your ARS uh, class like? Hands down, probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Really? How long was ARS yep. back then? Nine or 11 weeks, 12 weeks. Something like that. I want to say something like that. Yeah. So I had a Sergeant Major who was a recon guy, uh, Martinez. I can't remember what his first name was. Uh, over at LAR. He was mm-hmm. the battalion, active duty battalion uh, Sergeant Major. He talked about going through ARS back in like the 80s. Um, and he said, same thing you did. It was a crazy course. Was it, how much, you you were in, we'll jump ahead for just one second. You were an instructor over in Camp Pendleton for BRC for a while. Well, you're, many years later. How, in terms of, Obviously, Pendleton, for anyone who's been in Southern California, is a very hilly, elevation-changing um, area. And the area of uh, you're talking about is pretty flat and dense, woodsy forest-type things, right? hmm So how much more difficult or different was it than, say, for people who are familiar with Southern California, Camp Pendleton? So you, you have to, Tommy, only thing take consideration is, is the time differences, too. And then how all the all the all the hazing and and other policies uh, sort of get into light about this time, and and the, and, the, and the standards and traditional type of stuff that were, were used to be this way is done is now considered um, hazing, and and due to uh, the, the 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 actions of a few, given the source of black eyes for doing what they're doing, uh, uh, you know the stuff that traditional we do or would be done, or I mean, at time, it just started disappearing because nobody wants to put their shit on the line uh, for, for traditions. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure, I, well, necessarily didn't, I never agreed with that my whole military career. Um, maybe that's why I only did 22 years. Uh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I like to hold on to the way the traditions, we have traditions for a reason. And where along these traditions came in, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't happen because, you know, we're getting wings tacked on or we're getting dive bubbles tacked on. That's not where the heritage, the heritage is where it comes into play is, is guys of, uh, of similar mental status and physical ability uh, enduring the suck together. Um, and, and everybody coming together as a team in the culmination of everything and do together and then sit there and to be evaluated and accepted by their peers. That's, that's immeasurable. You know, um, you can't, you can't instill, um, aim or pride an individual uh, for its accomplishments uh, than going through the suck or going through the training and, and being accepted by the peers who were just putting you through the suck, you know, and, and, and because they're, you know, they're, they're, they're punching some gold wings on your chest or some lead wings on your chest or, or something does to me, it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't take anything away from it as long as it's a controlled environment and, and, you know, and, and people aren't aren't pulling out a, a Kevlar helmet and crushing your chest in with it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that's not tradition. That's just people being drunk and getting away with shit. Uh, and, and that's what I'm talking about. The few people, uh, uh, and no, 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 no one MOS, no one rate, no one service um, is exempt from it. I'm not pointing at anybody. I'm talking military wide, and that's why we as we have lost uh, traditions in the Navy, traditions in the Marine Corps, and I'm sure the Air Force in their what 60 70 years have have lost some tradition as well 
and in the army as well. So uh, I, 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 there's there's a lot to say for that, you know, and and especially when you're in a in a in a, a special operations type of command or whatever, you need you know you need all the pride, um, cockiness, uh, and steadfastness you can get an individual uh, to make that cat bulletproof. That's that's just my my thing. I agree. I mean, so. I think I think one of the biggest things, and I've been on this Native American kick and a few other going back to nature kicks lately, and especially for young males, we don't go through a rite of passage at all. And I think something like going through ARS or BRC or BUDS is probably a huge rite of passage. Your peers are pushing you through this this extremely difficult um, thing and very few people can accomplish it. I'm still friends. I still, I still, I'm still friends with uh, uh, some of the instructors I had um, that the, the corpsman, corpsman instructors that I had at, at ARS. And I saw one last year at, at, at the shot show at the Net club in Las Vegas, you know? Uh, um, so uh, Brian Gerard, every time he sees every time he sees me, he's like, Hey, Warner, how you doing? You know, so, um, and Mike McNeil too was there. So, uh, that's just the way, I mean, it was like, like I said, it was, it was a kicking the balls every, every day you wake up was kicking the balls to make this what you're doing. So what was, it, it was tough. What was the actual, um, curriculum like for ARS back then? Uh, you had different phases of training. Of course you have your, uh, amphib phase, uh, your PT, I think, but PT phase back then with PT was every day. Um, and uh, then you uh, so you look at the skills we have. What you have amphib, um, you have uh, artillery call fire. Uh, you got patrolling, of course, reconnaissance. You know, patrolling is bread and butter on, on the ground. Uh, I, I sincerely believe that to this day that there's there's no service that does um, foot patrols better than Marine Corps reconnaissance. Uh, um, I think small unit tactics are, are, are really what we do best. Um, you know, call for fire, uh, stuff like, uh, and you know, um, I think I'm not sure of patrolling. We started off as something. I can't remember how it went. I mean, I was in, you know, 1996, Tom, that's a long time ago. So I know um, I'd like making you think. Ah, well, you know, um, but, uh, you know, I mean, every, every, everything, a little bit sucked of everything, you know, uh, scout swimmer technique as part of amphib swimming. And, uh, I remember that the guy, I got these, oh, man, the, the worst damn fucking fins in a life, uh, the compro fins, hard plastic fins that just kill your ankles. I mean, it really felt that you had, uh, two, two by fours width wise strapped to your damn feet and you were fitting through the water with these things. They were just so, they're terrible. Broke me down. Um, I thought there was something wrong with me because, you know, I'm good, good, good PT or good runner, always a good swimmer, you know, getting get the water with these fins on and pulling the ruck through the surface. stuff like that. I'm almost not dead last, not in the middle of the pack, but towards the back of the pack. And then there's something wrong with this shit. I toughed it out and, and kept on doing what I got to do. And I, I graduated, not, not a big deal. Um, but went down to dive school after that and they give me the, the, these rocket fins and I just shredded through the water. I mean, just shredded. All right. So guys, remember, pick your equipment. Well, if you have a choice to pick your equipment, I mean, don't, definitely don't put compros. There, there's a lot of other fins out there that are a lot much better nowadays. So, um, and that the tool will make a big difference. 
a lot less effort, a lot less pain. And, and I had, I was one of the fastest finners and swimmers, uh, well, the fastest swimmer and finner uh, in my dive school class. So I know at least at dive school, but I'll probably also at BRC, you weren't swimming slick, like just uh, shorts. You were full uniform. Did that make a big difference to you or did you guys, did you get some training on that beforehand? Yeah. Well, so when, before I, before I went into the, the Navy, cause I was in, before I went in the Navy, probably when I went into the Navy when I was still working at the Fort Sam pools, I would actually, um, cause I knew I was in a doctorate program. So I would, I would get in the water and I'd swim with camis on uniforms on pants on wranglers on. I put a couple of shirts on. Um, I tied other shirts to the belt loops of my pants to give me added drag and, and started swimming like that. I think that's where I got really strong swim wise. Um, I'd even take the, take the, uh, the pants off and the, and the, and the shirts off and hold them in my hands while I swum. So, uh, just drag them out of the water, stroking and, and swimming. Um, I did that. I did, uh, the fin drills. Like I said, I thought I was really in really good shape going into everything. Uh, and that, that's my, but did it make a difference? Yeah, it makes a difference. Um, anytime you can swim slick is better, you know, uh, um, but you're not, you know, you're not going to work. You're not going to go to the beach. You're not going to jump out of an airplane in a pair of shorts and a, you know, a pair of UDT shorts, a t-shirt and, you know, and flip-flops. So you got you got you got to train like you're going to, you're going to work. Very true. So now after um, ARS, you said you went to dive. Was dive school your next stop immediately or was it? It was, it was, there was a, and it's funny because there was a mix up uh, with orders and times. And so I was up at, we were up at, so uh, ARS is a four story, Virginia Beach, Virginia. And we're getting, we're just getting really done. The final mission is the next day and then graduation. So just about done except for the final mission of Amphib. And, uh, and so they, we were already working up, you know, doing rehearsals and everything else uh, for this mission. Uh, once they dropped you off, Helicast, I was uh, right by like the third or second, um, span of the Chesapeake Bay bridge and tunnel. And they do nap points in to do a hydrographic survey, land on the beach, little mission or whatever. And then, and, 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 and do that. And I just happened to go during the summer months too. So the weather was really nice. So I didn't have to worry about wetsuits or being, well, it used to got cold, but, uh, anyways, so we did all this training and all the swims and fins and stuff like that. And then, uh, since there time, I had orders following orders already to dive school because back then they cut you too. Right, you cut. You had orders to ARS, then dive school, intermittent, whatever, and then, and then uh, intermittent at dive school, then senior uh, uh, medicine. Right after that, then that's the only orders I had when I was in dive school. Then I got the following orders for the rest of the schools. Okay. Um, yep. And then, um, so uh, we had that night. So that day, I can't remember what day it was. I think it was. August 1st or 2nd, I think a dive school class started and I, we, it was August 1st that we got to say, Hey, you got to be down in Panama city, Florida by seven 30 tomorrow morning. And we're in, um, Virginia Beach, Virginia in isolation, preparing for our final amp admission to graduate the basic recon course or amp recon course. And they said, well, you, you, I mean, you got enough, your grades are high enough, uh, to, uh, to do this, to graduate. I mean, the, the missile is not gonna, 
preclude you from graduating. So they, uh, uh, me and other corpsmen that were there had their same, same, uh, Brian, Brian, uh, what was his name? Last name was Scott. I can't remember his first name. Maybe Brian. Maybe I'm not sure. But anyways, he's our roommate in dive school, he, corpsman and a same boat. And so we just threw all of our wet gear and everything else in the back of my truck and drove all night to, uh, I can't remember, I don't even remember the time we left, but I know we drove all night and um, ended up in Panama City, Florida, checked in there and called over and said, hey, we're here. Uh, we got to get it. We want to get a, you know, we drove all night, get a couple hours sleep. You know, can we meet you by lunch? And the guy said, um, you got your class classing up right now. Put a uniform on and get a class. And I said, well, we've just been driving all night. We haven't been shaving or anything. And he says, I don't care what uniform you put on. I said, all our, all our camis were wet from Amphib in the back of my truck. He said, put a uniform on. We don't care about you shaving. Get in here. And I said, okay. So we just put on our, our, our working whites and went over to schoolhouse. And we're, it was, I think it, was, it had to have been like a, a Friday or something. Maybe I think it was a Friday. It started. And then in class all day, we here a third. Yeah, it was a class all day. And then we had a uh, new class, new cleanup. So you know how that works being in the Navy. You know, you're a new class, the junior class on, on, on deck of school command. You get the majority of the cleaning areas uh, until you get higher up in your in your in your stature as a student in the class in the course. And so we had our, in class all day. I think we started with dive physics. Well, welcome aboard and dive physics all day, um, and then right into uh, you know uh, field day on a Friday. We had the other common areas. I think we got out of there about six, um, about five thirty six o'clock. Well, enough time for chow or whatever time it was for chow hall there. Panama City was a really good shell hall, by the way. Um, it was brand new when I went there. Um, and the barracks were brand new, too. Um, and they, uh, uh, I remember going to bed and Friday night, sometime after the chow, and waking up Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, something like that. So how was your time at dive school? I, I know a lot of people say dive, that the Marine Corps dive school is a pretty difficult uh, school. For lack of a better Probably word. difficult academically. Um, you, get, you get anything, anything like anything you don't, you don't that you don't know about is learn new. You, you got to study. There's no way you're going to wing it. You know, uh, I know back then our definitions were verbatim. Uh, you, there was no multiple choice. Uh, they would have a question that says define Boyle's law. You know, and you write it out. You know. At a constant temperature, pressure, and volume are indirectly related or inversely related. And there, if you if you said it, if you wrote it the wrong way, or they couldn't, I mean, if it wasn't close enough to be a textbook definition, be a textbook definition, you got it wrong. Um, they'll tell you define Archimedes principle. You know, any object partially fully immersed in a fluid is booted up by force equal to the weight displaced by the object. That's what they want to hear. Wow. How was the, um, again, water seems to be the great equalizer, uh, whether it's the BUDS guys or the recon guys. People could be uh, beasts in the gym, runners, but sometimes water will cut people away. 
how was the uh, how was the water portion of the training for that? Because I know, you know it's not swimming per se. No, I mean it's, it's, it's swimming with fins, or you're, you're dragging gear, or you know that type of stuff. Um, they have a grading scale. You know, yeah, if you have if you have uh, ten fins, then you get grade on your time according to you know what the time is. And back then, uh, well, I know in ARS, if you finished with the lead instructor who led the PT, then everybody finished with them. You got a hundred. And it depends upon where you fell out within that time schedule all the way back to the last person is what your high points you're missing. And, and they, I mean, back then it was, there, there really wasn't a recycle and, and, you know, and go to the next class. You, if you failed something, you're going back to the fleet. Hopefully you get to choose order somewhere, you know? Um, that's just the way it is. That's the way it was. Now, I mean, they recycle you through because I'm sure that maybe got tired of spending all that money, sending people to the fleet and come back and probably losing sailors. And, um, mostly because they were ill prepared to go to the course period. Oh, that makes sense. So after, uh, after dive school, where'd you end up? Um, I went to, uh, Fort Benning, Georgia, uh, for jump school. No, so wait, wait, sorry. After dive school, dive school, we stayed at dive school cause they were both together. Um, I didn't leave until I think we left there. August, September, October. I think I left there right before. Let me see, because dive school was eight or nine weeks. And then ARS was uh, uh, chamber medicine. They called it Amphib Recon Course. ARC was, I think, uh, three weeks or four weeks. Um, and then, so we stayed there. And then, so August, September, September yeah, so end of October, um, graduating, something like that, October something, 16th, 17th, or something like that. Uh, and then, um, then from there, I went, there was nothing available. I had a, a, a um, seat for airborne school was, was um trying to think hold on a minute i'm trying to get my my times my time's right was no i didn't go to airborne school i'm sorry um the airborne this is that this was a this was a uh a, a, a sore subject with me you couldn't get me in the airborne school before before 18 delta at bragg and i classed up for bragg in um january 1st of uh, 97 and I didn't have jump school until after that. I think it was in June or July of that of '97. So the school you were talking about after dive school was uh, now it's like a dive medicine school. So you did that, then you went to 18 Delta. I'm here. Hold on. All right. So we were talking about um, you finished dive school, then you go to uh dive medicine now you're at 18 delta 18 delta yep 18 delta is often said like a baby pa school um well, i don't know about that but uh special operations medical sergeant's course that's sfms i'm i'm just saying it's um yeah. it is the premier military enlisted medicine place to go oh i would i would think so 
you know, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, a lot of people want to go there you know, because that's, that's really one of the only, uh, schools courses that I know about that do live tissue like that. Like we, like, like we did with, with, uh, the, 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 the K primes that we use for live tissue labs. So what was that like for you? I mean, you've now been a corpsman for what, like three, four years. Um, mm, yeah. Was, and you have a knowledge for picking up on medicine pretty, pretty quick. Was that like drinking out of a fire hose or was it a pretty, in your opinion, for you, was it a pretty, not easy, but understandable course? Oh uh, yeah, it was understandable. Yeah, you put time in, but you think about it. So you got six months, right? Six months. At that time, we had a National Registry Paramedic certification, ACLS certification, PALS, and adult. Um, just in itself, I think a paramedic certification is, is longer than six months long if you were to take it on the civilian side. So we put that into you in six months on top of military medicine, on top of ACLS, on top of everything. So, yeah, I mean, everything is, is, is most military courses are, 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 uh, uh, fed by fire hose, learned by fire hose. So, you know, I have to turn the fire hose on and just reach out and grab as much as you can of those water particles flying by and hope you can retain some of it. So when you're there, did you, uh, how did you, what's the word I'm looking for? How was the course structured? I guess is what I'm trying to ask. All right. So structured by, what do you mean? Uh, was it, um, was it similar to, learn uh do in classroom stuff and then the next week you do uh practicals or did it all build up to a final assessment so i i, I the I, I believe that the the front this class was one of the, there's there's one other class before ours a new pilot program uh because they moved they moved i got like i said earlier that they moving 18 delta from san antonio to fort bragg and so when they when they did that um, uh, there's a class right before mine that was the pilot course the first full course that went through. And then we were the, actually the, the second, uh, um, but I think it was, it was geared towards, you know, the first, uh, so many months, I think maybe three or two and a half, three months was all, um, uh, national registry paramedics, medicine, everything, everything that you needed to know to, or to be uh, a national registry paramedic, uh, you had to pass to, to move on. Um, that was first, that was front loaded and you took a national registry exam and you did all the national registry, uh, static and didactic exercises, uh, to get your final score, uh, to get your, uh, your paramedic license through national registry. Okay. That makes sense. And then they start, then they started doing all the military medicine stuff. So did you guys do any, um, field exercises? Did, did they put you into simulated teams or were you... Was it just solely medicinal? That was pretty much all, all medicine and, and, and some tactics. Usually you had your own, um, you had a tactic instructor and it was, the instructors were, so this is, this is the, the first, so back, back then there was a short course, a long course. Um, if you were a junior, junior, junior corpsman coming in, you know, first out, you're going to, you're going to go and you're going to do a short course six months long. And you're going to go back to, you go to a finish at your school and go to recon unit. Uh, put in some time, learn about the recon mission, learn, learn, learn your job, uh, and get better at your craft. Uh, and, and then of course the progression, the natural progression for that would be a uh, special operations IDC school. 
which is also at Bragg, which was another uh, six months to a year long, um, depending upon the time of year you went uh, because of holidays and stuff like that. Um, so uh, that short short course is, is what I did. Um, you go into military medicine, you learn all that stuff to put you into little groups. You have your own attack instructor and you go to learn the, learn the stuff, uh, you know, all the emergency medicine type of stuff, battlefield, battle, battlefield wounds, uh, techniques uh, to, uh, to take care of them, you know, uh, in a bit, from innovation, maxillofacial injuries, uh, crikes, uh, chest tubes, uh, needle decompressions. Um, abdominal viscerations. They had, they had mass trousers in there too, but we're never going to carry those damn things. Um, so uh, a, lot, a lot of different stuff uh, to do that, to, to, to practical application on to, to where you get proficient in it. It's not a one, it's just not a one-time thing where you, you watch a video on how to put a chest tube and recognize signs, sense of attention, pneumothorax, you know, uh, and, and uh, can, can throw in a, a chest tube. Right. No, that makes sense. So yeah. at what point did you get to your, so did you go to airborne after that then? Yes. Yeah, so, so after 18 Delta, we're stuck there. I'm stuck there uh, for a while before I go to air- airborne school. And um, so uh, I think I can't remember who the, who the, the lead guy there was. I can't remember who the recon guy there. Um, I'll probably remember it in a minute. Uh, but we're there and we're, sit- we're going to be sitting there being PSI at the schoolhouse or find something we're do. He came up and said, you guys want to go out the first recon battalion. You guys can go TAD out there. No cost TAD um, to Camp Pendleton. And you can work out there or you can stay here. I said, well, let's go out to Camp Pendleton. Why not? And so uh, uh, learned how to negotiate um, max flights in the military. Um and got a ride down to uh, uh, um, what is that place? Charleston, South Carolina, and got on a plane in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, got off in um, what's that base? Northern California. Travis. Travis. Got off on Travis. The guy I was with, a friend of mine to this day, still a good friend of mine. Um, rented a car, drove down to Camp Pendleton, stayed with another good friend of mine who lives up in Dallas now, um, who's also at well both these guys were at fifth force when i was in okinawa and we all knew each other and uh so um stayed at his house for a little bit and then uh for a couple of days and then moved in and, and lived in the uh in the quonset huts at first recon uh, battalion or act then it was a company and uh stayed there until i don't remember when came back well after wait no wait sorry that was I'm lying to you. Was it 18 Delta? After 18, 18 Delta ran for six months in June. Yeah, it was then. It was only for about a month, I guess. And then uh, uh, went back to Bragg, uh, checked out of Bragg, drove down to Benning, uh, went to jump school, went to jump school, uh, went back to uh, Okinawa. Third Recon Battalion, Okinawa, Camp Schwab. Oh, nice. So you kind of did a big giant loop. Mm-hmm. So how was your time being a lawn dart? Oh, I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't, it is what it is. I didn't stay a lawn dart too much, too long. Uh, I went from rounds and it just happened that they had a, 
it's pretty funny. At my, the end of my tour, my second tour in Okinawa, first tour at Third Recon Battalion, um, did an uh, MC5 transition course in in uh, in Woomera, Australia. So uh, so I learned. I got on squares uh, pretty quickly. Nice. So did you um, did you pick up during the whole pipeline, or did you stay in HM3? So so no, I didn't pick up in the pipeline. I, I was I was extending to reenlist. Uh, for star star and and bonus. So back then it was um, my first enlistment was I did uh, I starred for third I mean for second. And um, twenty thousand dollars was the cap. Nice. So you get to Okinawa. You're now a fully schooled up Sark at this point in time <clears throat> with the eighty four twenty seven NEC. Did how was it? At your first uh, actual recon battalion, no, you don't know. You don't know shit. You know what I'm saying? You, yeah, they put me in the uh, in the, uh, the rip class, and I end up teaching some of the rip class stuff because I already gone through BRC. The guys in the rip class haven't been to BRC at all. There was a really cool, really good uh, um, recon marine, uh, Brad Letha, the guy's a machine. Um, I mean, I've seen a, a bed frame uh, being thrown out of the barracks. And land on his back, you know, from a second floor of the of the damn barracks room, and a bed just land on him in the parking lot, and he throws the damn mattress off him—not the mattress, but the, the spring part of the mattress—and looks throws it off and looks upstairs, and he's like, "You can't hurt the machine." And I walked away, got in his car, and drove away. So the, the dude is, you know, same same guy that you know you fall asleep during a lecture. He's standing back there. He's gonna smack you the back of the head with a Kevlar and tell you that it didn't hurt. So. So recon indoctrination program, that's what RIP stood for. Um, How was that for you? Considering that you'd already been schooled up. Oh, it's okay. I mean, I don't, I don't, I've never been one of those people that that feel that I'm entitled to something that, that, you know, uh, I definitely feel you you have to earn, earn your way on things. Um, But I, you know, yeah, it was law review, but it's stuff that I that I learned, you know, a, a year or so ago or something like that. It, refresher never hurt, you know. I, it, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not one that's complacent enough to think that okay, I've been to the school and I can't sit down here and rehash or relearn, you know, all all this stuff over again. There's a reason why you have to do refresher training, right? So you don't want to lose old skills, and and these are skills that you know, possibly in time save your life for the guy behind beside you or behind you, or around you. So there's no reason not to. To, and, and have an ill attitude about sitting in a class because you think that you're entitled to something more than what you're getting, regardless of whether you have or not. Right. No, I agree with you on that. So your boot. I mean, your boot. It didn't make. I mean, I got four. Uh, this time, four almost five years in, in the Navy, but at the first recon command, I'm a boot. I'm a that, liability. That, the, that makes the best, one thing I, in my head. The best thing I can do is to learn as much as I can learn. And, and, and hopefully that'll save people's lives someday. So once you got out of RIP, um, did you go to a company or what happened from there? Went to right into a platoon. Yep. Platoon Corman. So now did you do any, um, any muse on that, on that round in Okinawa? Did what we do there. Um, yeah, but the 31st mu is really not a, uh, a full mew. It wasn't at the time. I mean, it is a mew, but it's really, it's not like it's a Westpac where you float, you know, here you just float around the, 
the the Sea of Japan, the Pacific Ocean, and and you know you go you go, you go to Thailand, you go you know, we went to uh, Hong Kong, um, uh, we went up to uh, Vladivostok, Russia. Um, where else did we go to on that meal? Guam, of course, because all your true training was done in Guam. Did the Russians uh, know you went to Russia? Like they should. And I was on a. I was the ship was in the port, so it should. I was kidding. And I was walking around in my. I was walking around and working and working whites, CNTs, the whole time. So let let's jump ahead a little bit. Um, so f- funny story. So so in, in Vladivostok, Russia, um, there's a lot of. I mean, it's it's a you know it's 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 a shipping port. And if anybody pull up your Google, the Google machine and you can look on all all the wiki nets there and you can uh, Google Vladivostok. Russia, and you see that it's a big shipping, uh, uh, a shipping uh, town or whatever. But they, they have, a, you know, like, we're out there a lot of a lot of kids, you know, and and when the ships come into town, like every every other port that everybody's been in, you got people wanting to sell you stuff, panhandling and all type of stuff. Not a big deal. Well, we used to back in the day. I used to use uh, smokers tobacco. Uh, I used to dip Copenhagen, and so I Copenhagen or Levi Garrett plug or something like that. And so we, me and my buddy, uh, Mark Freeze, I think he's still in Okinawa. Um, uh, he, uh, him and I were, were just hanging out. We went to this uh, convenience store and bought uh, three sodas um, because we didn't know, nor did we want to find out what the, what the rule or the law about spitting on the ground in public was in Russia. So we decided that we'd just, we'd just get an extra Coke bottle. We'd, 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 we'd share chug it. We put a dip in, we sit at a park bench, have a dip and drink our other soda while we watch whatever was going on. So we're sitting there for a while and we're the Americans. They're, they're in their Charlies. I'm in my whites, uh, working whites. And this kid has been bothering us all freaking morning about wanting to buy this or buy this. He, he come and he buys little trinkets. He bring these trinkets to us. And he said, you want to buy? No, no. They run away, be gone for like five or 10 minutes and come back with this big old uh, Russian Siberian hat. I don't know. I don't know what they're called but a big old winter hat type of thing. You see him in all the movie, iconic movies, uh, the gray hat with the oh, red yeah. star on the front. Yeah. Okay. Um, I did buy one, but not that day. Um, and I bought some little medals and the trinkets and whatnot. And then he wanted, he wanted us to buy him a soda. I said, no, I'll buy you a damn soda. So in between me and Mark, Mark's sitting on my left and we're, we're, we're sharing the spitter, right? Right. We're spitting for the cap on, we're not lipping it. We're just spitting in it, you know? Um, and, and so we have right between us, this kid, as this kid's walking, all of a sudden he runs, runs up as fast as he can. He wasn't that far away, probably two, three feet away, lunges, grabs the bottle between me and Mark, right? And has a cap off and drinking it as he's running away. Now, mind you, it had probably about a quarter to a half a bottle of, of Copenhagen spit. It wasn't Coke. Oh. And I... <laughs> so um if nobody's ever seen projectile vomit in their life i tell you what i wish i wish uh back then that there was uh, uh um, smartphones because that have been the funniest youtube video you probably had ever seen in your life and not only that but i remember the kid's face and i really to this day have never really seen anybody turn green like your shirt, Tom, but his face was green, like your like the hoodie you're wearing. Damn, that's 
insane. Gundam, and yep. That's why Russia is Russia because that kid probably got done puking and then went and beat up a bear. He might have, I don't know, but he never, he never hung around us anymore. He didn't even come by us at all. But so yep. what, what year did you leave third recon battalion? The end of 98, right at the end of 98 reported to, um, the first recon company, uh, right there at the end of 98 as well. So was recon, uh, first recon, were they up in Talega or were they still where they're at now? Oh, no. First recon was, was, uh, um, at Margarita. Okay. First recon so, company. It was much smaller then because we were still a company. Well, just because you said Quonset huts and I was thinking Talega to this day still has Quonset huts. Yeah. Well, they weren't, I, I say Quonset huts because I don't know if there's a, there's a name for the, 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 I guess you call them flat tops. Instead of Quonset huts. Oh, okay. Because okay. they had the, the flat tops out there in all the all the training areas. It used so, to be company offices, but they had they changed it. They turned it into uh, um, well, the BAS was in one of them, and at the end of the BAS, on the other side was a couple of the the sergeants had uh, uh, senior senior recon guys that cordoned off a section of that um, for their, their their own little harbor site. It all, I remember it's all decorated. It had cami netting. It had all that. It was really cool. That really cool, and uh, but they, they didn't like me being there, there, there too much, and and I, I really didn't like sleeping where I slept for too long because they I wake up every morning to somebody's fucking beautiful people music blaring at, at like six o'clock in the fucking morning, and I, I mean to even to this day there's really nothing that's beautiful. There's no beautiful people at six o'clock in the morning when it's blaring in your fucking ears. No, there isn't. So, are you a second class at this point in time? Mm-mm. I was still first class because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't finish up jump school and didn't get to NEC until after uh, jump school. And then there wasn't anybody that could at the, at, at Benning that could reenlist me or, um, or frock me at the army command. So I had to wait until I got back to Okinawa and I actually signed because my, so I got, I got a little, I got, I had an extra extension that shouldn't have been there. I should have been able to, do all that at Benning after graduation. But one, there wasn't a rep there. And two, um, uh, uh, the, the Navy kind of screwed me. I can't remember. It was at dive school or whatever. They had an extra extension in there, another extra three months extension. And it was supposed to go away. Cause the other one was supposed to supersede it. Well, um, I got an extension on the books. I did a time, but never got a time in grade. So I should actually have 23 years because that's how long the extension was for. Oh, wow. Okay. So, Yep. I never got, I never, I never got credit for that last extension, but it went away, but I did a time, but I never, uh, got the, got the lineage for it. That's crazy. So, no, so I, mean, I had to wait till I got back to Okinawa to finish up, finish up, uh, 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 the, um, jump school went to Okinawa. And then when I got there, um, in October, so July is July is what July, August, I guess, September or whatever. Um, Yeah, and between that time, I, I actually had kidney surgery too. Uh, so, and was medevac and everything else. And then when I got done with all that crap, then I re- time was up. And I reenlisted then as October or something. Oh no, I was I was talking about when you were in Pendleton when you went to first recon company. Were you? A yeah, second? I was first recon company. I was a second class. Yes. So, yep. how long were you with first recon company? Till two thousand and five years. 
So you did, I want to say you, I thought you told me you, you did a Westpac when you were on the West Coast, right? Yeah. Or, so this is all pre-9-11 and that's what I'm building up to. So all this pre-9-11 stuff is one side of the coin. Um, how was the Westpac back then, pre-9-11? Well, I was the same. I mean, it was, you know, it was Westpac float. Um, training, you know, you, you stop, or stop in Hawaii on the way out, stop at Hawaii on the way back. Hit stuff in the Indian Ocean, I guess, whatever you can get over there. Um, Idari Range, uh, that's you go Kuwait, that type of stuff. Um, maybe hit uh, Korea, Land, Okinawa, maybe, I think. I'm not sure if he got up that high or not. Um, did he go there? <laughs> East Timor. Um, that was when they had the coup in East Timor. We were off on land, uh, uh, provide security for uh, all the. Uh, humanitarian support and the NATO effort we were doing from the USS Boxer. Were you with the, um, uh, what ship were you on? Boxer. Okay. Cause at that same time with East Timor, my little brother was a Marine and they were on the Peleliu and they mm-hmm. went. That was the same arc. Okay. Yeah. He, um, him and two of his buddies got helicoptered in to drop off some Thanksgiving day, mm-hmm. uh, shit on East team in East Timor on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I remember that. I remember you had mentioned that in the past that you were there too. Mm-hmm. So did you guys hit land uh for East Timor or did you guys just not not, not, not all of us. Uh some of I did because I was a corpsman and there was there was stuff going on, on the ground at East Timor that 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 wasn't Intel said there was people up right there, a guy was zip guns or all this other stuff. So they wanted to make sure they had uh, medical support on the ground when they're doing this humanitarian aid. Um, I went in with, uh, we had a certain amount of missions we had to do that day. Um, we, we get on a 46 or 53, uh, take stuff out, food, water, whatever, out to a, a drop zone. Command us first. Um, we secured a zone. Uh, and then another, another healer would come in with his, with his payload. Um, and put it down. We're there because all the the, the 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 cartels, for lack of better better terminology, um, they would uh, they would come in there and 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 they they'd take everything, beat everybody down, and if they want it, then they sell it to them instead of get it to them for free. So they provide that that the village elders and stuff, and the village people and the and the people in these 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 communities are getting the stuff and not being extorted. Yeah, so that's I mean that that's prime humanitarian stuff where yep. and you see it all over the place where people we send them aid, but then the strongmen grab the aid and the same same type of stuff we did in you know in Haiti for Paul Prince, that type of stuff, same difference. So you get back um from the Westpac, which I think was what, ninety nine, ninety eight? Two thousand one was the last one. Okay. I, we were on. We were on <clears throat> the last one I did. Um, I, I did several deployments out of out of First Recon Battalion, uh, but they um, the last one was, we talked about. This is brought up nine eleven. We were actually two days out of San Diego with Tigers on board. Um, when uh, when they uh, um, when nine eleven hit. Were you guys heading out or coming back home? Coming back home after. Okay, that's right. Uh, uh, tigers being uh, civilians who basically ride the ship back from Hawaii to Southern California family members. Yes. So how did that go down on board a Navy ship 
were under attack and you have civilians on board? A lot of us, you know, you know, uh, my dad, Vietnam vet, within our, we were in the, uh, the uh, what was our Berlin called? We were called something like the Horseshoe or something. I can't remember. It's called Special. We were right below the forecastle. It was the Horseshoe Berlin. It was only us and the Force guys in there. We had our own armory in there. And my dad, you know, Vietnam vet, he was, you know, he was standing in front of that door, wanting to open a door and turn the boat around. You know, pretty much at that time, everybody's mindset was, hey, let's just, we got to do to turn the shit around to go back to the Gulf. Um, did they, did they put you guys on, did they go, did, they, did the ship's company go GQ or did you guys just steam home as fast as possible? I, I can't remember. Uh, we went to San Diego. Um, we were, we had already done, we already in Hawaii picked up tigers already. So it wasn't a, a big deal. Um, we had a hard enough time doing, doing wash down anyways. Uh, we did wash down in Guam. Uh, it took, took a certain amount of time, but, uh, and then we, uh, and then we got to Hawaii and then we got tigers on board. And then we, we had already passed our replacement in a night in Indian ocean. So we didn't turn around. We just had to wait for, we just wait for the next appointment. So I, Iraq. I know, uh, after nine 11, I went down and picked up my little brother on a couple different occasions over in camp Horno. Uh, like that first weekend that everyone is off base and remember driving through Camp Pendleton and all of the armed checkpoints. Mm -hmm. Did you guys, were you guys involved with any of that or was that just at the battalion level? I, we didn't, we didn't have take part. I didn't take part in any of that. We, I mean, I had Tigers. I remember going, uh, picking up my vehicle, my truck from the, from the, when it drops off, you know, everybody kind of cars it back up to the base. You know, well, we, actually we didn't. Um, we unloaded, this is kind of funny. Uh, we unloaded by LCAC, um, and went to, uh, Camp Pendleton, the beach landing with LCAC. Um, and it's cool because my dad got to drive right on LCAC. And then, um, and it wasn't until, I don't know, we went to unload the boat. I can't remember. It was the next day, I guess, went down there, San Diego, 32nd street, unloaded the boat. Um, had my dad. He would fly out for another couple of days. And so he took his stuff, but we were staying in the, the best Western right there in Oceanside. And, uh, um, yeah, and then I took him to the airport and then, then I, we went and unloaded the ship. So did, could you guys tell, if, did you guys sense, um, what was going to happen next? From well, we didn't, nobody, nobody, I think nobody knew. Uh, we were just hoping we'd get back on, you know, uh, uh, get some replenishment and, and most of us just wanted to head back over to the, to the Gulf again, you know, but like I said, they already had cats in, in, in the area already. And, uh, those are the guys that got the, got the first, the first little OAF two, I guess you can say second Gulf war. Well, were they, um, until next iterations hit were, were there first recon guys that went to Afghanistan and the initial jump in when they had camp Rhino? The when the Marines all went in and landed, I don't remember. Okay, I, I remember. I mean, I know first recon was 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 at the point of debarkation right there in your dry range, just waiting for midnight or one thirty or two thirty or whatever time it was. They hit to to, to, to drive in, in in mass quantities across the desert. Right, right. But that was Iraq. I was talking about Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah no, I know. I don't. I don't remember. So, um, I don't know. 
for the remainder of your time at First Recon, I take it nothing really. Uh, you guys didn't do any combat operations directly for you guys. Nope. Um, where did you go after First Recon? I went down to uh, being an instructor in Coronado, California at the basic recon course. Was it, was that now the official pipeline with ARS was gone? Uh, no, ARS was still there. Okay. So yep. how was that going from operating to instructing? Uh, you know, it, it's good. You know, it's just, uh, it's a different, different animal. You know, you just, it's teaching, teaching what you know, teaching what the book says, you know, trying to, uh, give as much knowledge and experience that you have and to, to, to your students, you know? So. After you left the instructor, then I take it that's when you went to the long course. Yes. So you did the long course. How much different was that then? Or, and when I mean different, I mean, I'm assuming most of the people that were there were more mature in rank than at the basic course. So how much different was the, the way things were instructed? Um, you know, I don't think it was much, much different. Um, I mean, I don't know, maturity wise or, or, or whatever. The army sort of the same thing. You know, they have guys that are coming out of the, the, the first portion of it and they roll into the longer portion of it. So, um, mostly taught by army PAs and civilian guys or PAs that were in the army or SF or green berets. And, and it, it's definitely a peer teaching. Um, and uh, um, it was okay. It wasn't hard. I mean, it, it was difficult. I studied a lot. I mean, studied a lot, made a shit ton of flashcards. Uh, you know, you're there to be, uh, my mentality, you're there to be a student. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're there to learn as much as you can, as fast as you can, or up to their standards. And uh, they always say, you know, 70 is passing. Well, you know, if you only, if you're only getting a 70%, then you've already not grasped or familiar with 30% of the material that you just learned. So you can't, so there's no way you can ever give a hundred percent. That's a good way of looking because at it. Because you, yeah. you only learn 70%. And if you're happy with 70%, then I don't want you working on it. That's the mentality I saw the other day. I don't want you anywhere near me or, or, or at that point with my Marines or my sailors or whatever, if you're happy with 70% then you keep your same percent over there. And, and I'll take an, I'll take an 85% or 90%. So so after you finished the long course, that's when you came over to uh, fourth recon, right? Right. They had, they had, uh, you know, I, I, I was already been in instructor duty and I went back to uh, a school, I went to a schoolhouse. You know, I did all, everything I had to do. I put on first, I, I got promoted to first class when I was at uh, the EWTG pack, um, MTS, all, all the stuff you need to do on a short command to get, to get be successful. Um, uh, at an instructor billet and then, um, went over there, um, uh, 18 Delta long course IDC. Uh, there were some junior, junior corpsmen that, that needed, a a, a um, a C, a C billet, even though I did, uh, the Navy chose them over me to go to the, to do a shore, not shore command, but a C command to deploy, uh, instead of me. And so I got not stuck, but I got, uh, it's okay. I didn't mind, uh, going to, um, to, uh, fourth recon. Yeah. No, I, didn't. I tried hard to get, I tried, I mean, I did, I did everything I could to get back to the West coast, to get yeah, back no, to the I, fleet, I, but they're, they're just nothing available. I hope I didn't say stuck. I didn't mean stuck. I 
sent to is what I meant. No, that, being, that being said, um, you get there. How was touchy subject? How was dealing with reservists for the first time? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a whole different animal. I mean, the reserve forces and, and, and active forces, it's, it's there, there's another pay system. Um, that's different. So, uh, you know, even active duty Navy pay is different from reserve pay. So that's a, that's a whole, that makes everything uh, more challenging, different standards for reservists, um, different ways to, uh, to, to fill things. Um, we became very familiar with this, uh, this four letter word called a RUAD. Um, uh, one of my, one of the worst four letter words in the world. Uh, and, um, but that's just the way the Navy does shit. So, uh, or reserves do, do shit and, uh, uh, trying to put guys, um, that actually want to be at a reconnaissance community and in the reconnaissance community, at a reconnaissance command, not to support training evolutions, to learn, to get this coordinator that want to do that as reservists, uh, to say the least it was quite challenging. Um, I would, you know, I, I wouldn't, go ahead. I was just going to say at the time that you got there, the Navy had a, or the reserves had a, I guess a written policy probably, but at least an unwritten policy that if you held the NEC of 8404, which is fleet Marine forces, uh, field medical technician, you were going to a, a reserve, uh, Marine Corps unit. Regardless of A, if you wanted to or not, but B, doesn't matter what re unit that was. So you had a lot of people there that were never looking to go the recon pipeline or be a recon corpsman, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, Tom. I, I work work-related stuff kicking right now, too. I apologize. Um, hold on. It's about tomorrow in the weather. What I was going to say okay. is real quick on that, but the, but the unit needs people who want to be there. Yeah. The unit needs people that want to be there. Um, but you know, how, how happy is somebody going to be to come to work that, that, you know, I guess if you wanted to uh, come to work and sit on a bag and be at, at, the, at the range all day and, and not shooting, then that's good, but the but the 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 the, the component command, the Marine Corps command, doesn't doesn't want corpsmen just to sit on range just on range bags and do nothing. I mean, if they could have corpsmen out there in the field training with them, um, of course they, they want them with them. You know, then there's certain high risk evolutions that you have to do that you had to have a, a non participating corpsman um, just for uh, uh, training standards and uh, safety type structures. Uh, so, but I mean. You got to get guys in there that want to do the job, that want to do the mission. Uh, you're going to have some some people that just want to sit there and, and not and, and and just do that and, and find and go to school. Uh, we, we have some of those guys too, and they're the ones that that and and they're really successful to this day. Um, some of the guys that 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 want to be there and want to do it just weren't physically capable of doing it, um, but they're still there and they're very successful to this day. Um, so those are the guys that, that you and I was, which you're alluding to the chief that's got to, got to, got to pick and pull, uh, to put this, uh, uh, difficult Lego puzzle together to get you a BAS and a unit, uh, that's working co cohesively with each other and, and covering all the basis and all the training evolutions, 
and getting everybody to uh, where they want to be and need to be um, to support the command's mission. And while you were there, you picked up chief. I picked up chief as a piece interim PCS. Okay. But you I reported, I, 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 report, I found out when I got there that I got selected. Yeah. That, that was, that was what I was trying to say. So you, but, uh, yeah. I, go ahead. Yeah. I got, I got selected while on leave. So you go through the process that we go through um, out there in a completely alien environment, pretty much. Um, you're now the INI uh, instructor inspector chief for four three combat time. So you're managing all the companies. And the thing with the reserves, especially the Marine Corps reserves, is typically it's the battalion headquarters and a company, and then all the other companies are spread throughout the United States. Right. How um, much of a challenge was, was that? Yeah, it was, it was really challenging. Like I said, this RUAD thing, which I never saw before. Um, and then RUX and command at, at UX and all that stuff is, is, to, is, is together. Uh, it, it, it's um, Fourth Recon, uh, uh, the right work here in San Antonio is a headquarters uh, portion, headquarters element and Charlie company of fourth recon battalion uh, the division headquarters uh when i retired was in new orleans no i'm sure they're still there and then we had at the time we had companies in in albuquerque new mexico alaska billings montana and um Joliet, illinois those were the, those were, I believe those were where they were at. That's where they were at before I showed up. And then after I came in, it was Albuquerque, Joliet, uh, Atlanta, not Atlanta, Smyrna, Georgia. Right. And then I think that was it. Billings still. No, Billings was gone by the time I got there. No. I got something, I got confused with somewhere there. I'm trying to think of where they were at then. Because Echo Company was in Alaska, and they moved to. It may have been. It may have been uh, Albuquerque. Uh, Charlie Billings. Charlie Delta Bravo. Charlie Delta Charlie San Antonio Delta is Albuquerque. Bravo was in Smyrna, Georgia, which was in which in Billings, Montana, I think. And then Echo Company was in Alaska, which is now in Joliet. Yeah, yeah. I think. I so think it that's... was. It was San Antonio. Albuquerque, Alaska, and Billings. Those were the four. And then when the fissuring happened and they moved everything, they moved Echo Company moved to Joliet, Illinois, and Bravo Company in um, Billings, Montana moved to uh, Smyrna, Georgia. And Albuquerque stayed there in San Antonio and Charlie Company stayed here. Yeah. So you're not only... Which was another big challenge. I was going to say you're we'll not... Do that in a minute. You're, you're not only a new chief, you're dealing with a unit that is getting corpsmen who want to be there, who don't want to be there, who don't care. And then they do, for lack of a better word, a realignment and move these companies. Right. How, and they move the company. Huh? How did you manage all that? Lots of this. And a, and a refrigerator full of beer at work. Um, no, just kidding. Anyways, so 
Um, next subject. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so um, it, it was tough because the, the challenges that you have too is that when they they they, they moved the, the, the commands right, the Marine Corps Lieutenant commands from these reserve centers from from Joliet, I mean from uh, Alaska to Joliet, and then Billings, Montana to Smyrna, Georgia, which is right outside of Atlanta. Um, they uh, they moved the commands. They moved the the the, the the UX, I mean, the, the rucks and the, the UX, but they can't, the Navy billets belong to the reserve center. They don't belong to the Marine Corps command. And so they couldn't move the UX for the individual, for the, for the, for the rucks, for the, for the individual persons. So we had to uh, create and move. Uh, well, what we could do is create and fill make and fill new um, UX at those new commands where they moved to from the FIS rig for the corpsman to support uh, Marine Corps Revolutions. That just sounds like a pain in the ass. There was. That's calling all the, all the NOSC in the area. And before we got the zoo, they say, hey, can I, will you guys shoot can I get over here for a little bit? Can I get something to write? And it said, these guys can be over here for live an area or whatever. And that's what we did until we got the UX. And then I started, once the UX were in place, I can start putting names and pulling names and screening people. And that's what I did too. Uh, screening these reservists going to the different areas out and getting guys who want to screen and become uh, recon corpsmen as far as we can get them in the recon pipeline. Cause at a time we couldn't, we couldn't, we couldn't get them in a pipeline. They wouldn't, they wouldn't fund the reservists to go to the schools because they said they're, they're uh, reservists and all types of legal issues involved with them doing this type of, that type of stuff. At the time that I met you in 2007, there were no homegrown join the reserves who held the 8427 or 8403 uh, NEC, which is Special Amphibious Reconnaissance Corpsman or Special Amphibious Reconnaissance Corpsman Independent IDC. Right, right. because it, it wasn't a, a reserve, reserve NEC. Which was crazy that they had reserve battalion and reserve force companies, but they seem to forget right. that they needed the corpsman right. to operate. And and don't forget that also at San Antonio, we also got uh, third the third uh, all the all the reconnaissance uh, companies, third forces, um, the one in Kanawha Bay, Hawaii, and there's one up in uh, um, California. They all belonged. Uh, to Fourth Marine Division, and so there was two extra ones that that we had to deal with that that I had to manage at uh, Fourth Recon as well. Damn. So, now outlying across the country from uh, yeah, so very so, challenging for one person without uh, like a command and staff to manage. You know, uh, uh, what's we're at five, five or six other companies. Well, Mobile, Alabama too. Yeah, so there are other three and three, so six six reconnaissance. Uh, reserve Reconnaissance Command across the United States. I mean, one no CONUS, but that's Hawaii, so still considered CONUS. So cut to uh, sometime in 2007, you and I meet. I had just come back from um, an, an, an unexpected airplane trip from Iraq a little bit earlier than the rest of my uh, my unit and ended up in Texas for some strange reason. And You uh, run slow. I was in a vehicle. My driver you drives sure, slow. Should have got out and ran. Uh, not with the way my door was facing. 
<laughs> but um, and yes, I did get out. You forget that part of the story. I know, not no, intentionally. <laughs> but, I know um, you. Did. But anyway, so but you, but you weren't running. I was flying. I know. Um. So, anyways, I am on med hold, and for whatever godforsaken reason, the reserves, the reserve, um, commands for the Navy requires reservists to be attached to reserve centers. And this reserve center wasn't going to let me act like a patient. They wanted me in the office every day. So Heath comes and like, Hey, you're an FMF corpsman. Yep. And you bring me over to the green side and cut some drug deal with the CEO who lets me work for you completely basically just you and I working together right. which was a good thing even though to this day you were probably still pissed off at me that I never finished filling out that sailor of the year package yeah but like well, like you said well I needed I got I got I got I got selected for chief anyways that's true but I didn't know that at the time no you didn't so we worked together for what two and a half years Initially, I think, yeah, something like, well, no, because I left in, what, D7, so I left the next year at the end of the year. So I went to the Air Force Senior Listed Academy in January of 09. Okay, so about a yeah. year and a half then. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you, honestly, it was a good time. Thank you. So when you left, you went to the SEA uh, for the Air Force. How was that? I mean, completely different branch of service. Again, as a school, you know, it, I didn't, you know, I don't take everything at face value as it comes to me. So it, it doesn't make a difference where you're going. You either learn and you're there to do the best you can. Holy crap. Hold on. I got a, I got 10% of my power already. Let me get a cord. Got to pause it, Tom. Need some, need some calibrating. Okay. I, I guess I am ready. What are you drinking? Uh, just Zevia. It's a no calorie lemon lime thing. So um, back to the senior list academy. No, the reason why I was asking you if it was any different was because it's just a whole different. Um, well, then again, you went to 18 Delta, but I've have I had this feeling that maybe the Air Force had a whole different way of training over Navy and in other forces. I don't know. I've never been to the, the you know, the Navy Seamless Academy, so I don't know what they teach there, but you, you think leadership is leadership. The concepts are the same. Uh, so whoever the service teaches it there, I'm sure there, there, there's something that you can extrapolate from, from anything. I mean, the, the, the Navy has theirs, Air Force has theirs. I'm sure the Army's got there and we know the Coast Guard has theirs too. So, I mean, I'm sure leadership is leadership. I mean, you either got it or you don't. Uh, you can learn it, but I don't know if that makes you effective leader or not. I think that, I don't know, I have mixed emotions on it. Uh, but I do, I do believe that uh, leadership is something you either have or you don't have it. Right. I agree with you on that. I, I think the training that we do, whether it's uh, for chiefs or for first classes or wherever, it's meant to bring out the qualities that you should innately have, not necessarily um, develop new ones. 
Correct. Yep. It said they're the add-on tools in a toolbox, right? Yep. Um, you know, I, well, I, I, I think I think the thing with with you talk if you're, if you're alluding to like uh, 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 cheese and the 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 bastardization of 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 induction initiation or whatever they call it to this day, um, any, any chief can get out there and say, back in my day we did it this way or whatever. The thing the thing the thing I take from it is is a big thing is that it teaches you uh, uh, humility. That's a big thing, um, big time because. You know, uh, you need to need to know what it feels like, so you can hopefully either recognize what you're doing, or stops you from doing certain certain things that that would that would you cause somebody else to, to to feel as you were feeling when a bunch of your peers got together and did that shit to you for six weeks. So. Oh, yeah, I agree with you 100% on that. So you end up, after going to the Senior Enlisted Academy for the Air Force, you ended up at um, back in Okinawa. Yep. So the recon battalion. I'm just kind of curious. Did you ever think about retiring in Okinawa? You seem to go back there a lot. Oh, okay. Oh, he's cool, man. I don't know. I mean, to me, it's beautiful. I mean, you can... You know, people say you're on the rock. Oh, it's boring, and, and there's stuff to do. And I challenged everybody that I ever said that to. I heard that from. I said, "Well, what'd you do on your tour?" Well, I sat in my room, watched movies, and played video games. That's all I could do. And I, you know, I throw a big old bullshit flag. Bullshit. There's lots of stuff to do on on Okinawa. You got the loser cruiser. You can go down south. You can, you know, save money. There, there, there's tours put on by the USO that don't cost GIs hardly anything. If anything, um, and if you and if it did cost you anything, you're paying for a sack lunch or something that you had because the tour took all day, or or, or something. I mean, there's diving on the island. Um, there's there's a lot of Japanese culture. There's battle sites tours. There's you know Shuri Castle, and there, there's a lot a lot of stuff about about Okinawa that is it's just phenomenal, which people don't know. But you know the whole the whole Japanese islands, right? It's not just Okinawa is just not the only island in the Japanese chain in there. There's a whole, I think there's like five or six and they're, 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 they form their own um, archipelago, right? Right down through the whole area uh, from no, northern northern uh, part of uh, Japan, Hokkaido, where they had the, the, um, that earthquake and that tsunami and the subsequent um, nuclear action, nuclear reactor, nuclear plant uh, melting down in 2011. Um they hit the news all over the place. That was in, in Hikayado, Japan, northern Japan, um, northern island. All the way down to, there's one little island, I forget what it's called, just south of uh, Okinawa. That's the last one. So, and they all form a nice little archipelago right through that, that area right there. So, there's a lot of stuff going on in Japan than just what goes on in your, in, in your barracks room or in Kinville or... Down there at I you know at, at Gate Two Street or 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 stuff like that BC Street or or whatnot you know if uh, you know if you if you if you if you like to, if you stay in your room watch movies get drunk and play video games for a year I I, I don't care where you're at you do that in in San Diego you do that in Coronado you do that in 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 Camp Pendleton you can do that in in Honolulu Hawaii for a year you're not gonna like Hawaii yeah no I completely agree with you. On that note so, about the uh, historical battle sites, did you guys ever have an opportunity to go out to uh, like Iwo Jima or some of the other? Yep. 
Yep, I went to Iwo Jima. Oh, sorry about that, Tom. I got a uh, iPad it's all good. failure. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, we have, uh, while it was the first tour, we had, um, I was during one of the anniversaries of Iwo Jima, and we took, we were chaperones. I people take on chaperones to go to Iwo Jima. I went then, and then on this last time, too, I, uh, I, I went as well. When you say chaperones, are they taking, um, like, World War II vets out there? Yes. People oh, that wow. actually landed on Iwo Jima. Yep. How was they that? Take them there. It, it's, it's pretty humbling, dude. And they, they walk all the way up. They walk all the way up. Um, they go down from the beach to the black. So I got black. I got, I go up, I got their garage and I can show you a, a pill ball of, of Iwo Jima stand I have. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. You want to pause? I'll go get it. I'll show it to you, but it's not, it's not a big deal. It just gives me a little bit of credibility. Next time I come <laughs> over and have a drink with you, I'll, uh, I'll take a look yeah. at it. What, yeah. um, how do you, how do you guys get there? Is it a flight or is it a C-130? Oh, okay. So is there still an active airfield out there? Yeah. And actually now it even got, well, from the first time I went to the second time, it was, it's really cool. It's really a lot more structured, um, a lot more stops. It's, it's a, now there's a whole, not that it wasn't a whole big thing, but the whole big uh, uh, med plan for the whole thing. Um, and, 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 you know, from the first time to last time, there's a, 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 a quite a few less uh, World War II vets coming yeah. back. So did you guys go up to the top of a uh, Sarabachi? Nice. Everybody, everybody puts dog tags along the way. Oh, wow. Yep. Okay. Wow. That's kind of cool. So you're out there at third recon and the call comes in, you guys are going to deploy. How was, how was that experience for you? Get, getting the, the word that you guys were going to go over to Afghanistan and go to work for lack of a better word. Yeah. You know, I, I, I PCS known that I was probably going to go deploy. It doesn't, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not one to uh, avoid deployments. I'll take a, I've got a lot of deployments in my career. So I'm not. Oh, no, I just meant like, how did, yeah. how, how did you personally feel about uh, the idea and, and, or your family at that point in time? Um, I, I wasn't married. Um, I was divorced. I, I was kind of uh, dating my, uh, my current wife at the time, kind of uh, as you can't, as much as you can date when you're, halfway around the world and then deployed, you know, with no, you know, with, 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 uh, uh, for, for lack of better terms. And I've been watching a lot of big bang theory, uh, relationship agreement. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I love big bang theory, but no, I'm just, it's just, you know, um, but you know, that, the regardless of, of, of the stature uh, of the status of my relationship at that time, it's, it's, that's a deployment. It, it, it's war. It's combat. You know, it, it's what's got to get done. That's that's why we spend so many, so many years and so many hours and so much time in in, in schools is to what to do. You know, to protect your trade. You know, not, you, that, not, not my first deployment, but you know, it's just saying that that's what we do. Yeah, that's our job. Did you um? Did you talk to your dad at all? I mean, because you you had said that he was a Vietnam vet. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. You know, we talked a little bit. Um, I uh, I packaged stuff up in an envelope for him. Um, he had the executor of all my stuff. Um, you know, he put it in a safe. It said, uh, you know, you'll know when to open this. And I gave it to him. Hold on, Tom. Hold on. I got. I got. I got to do. Hold on. It's on the counter. All right. So we were talking about uh, 
getting ready to go over there. Did you guys come back to the States for workups? Uh, we did. We did some there on Okinawa, and then we came back and did some uh, training in, um, where are we at? Hawthorne, Nevada. Okay. So you, you didn't do the great and famous Mojave Viper? Um, I don't remember. I don't think so. Because I remember uh, your... I don't your, think it was. I don't think, I don't think it was, was. Mojave Viper wasn't there yet or something. We did, we did Hawthorne instead of Mojave Viper. Yeah, because I also remember that you guys uh, picked up some of the guys from Fourth Recon. You guys had some augments. Yep, we did. So yep. you um you deploy, you go over there. What part of Afghanistan did you guys come in go into? Helmand Province. Okay. Did you guys go in Southern through, Helmand? Did you guys go yep. in through Leatherneck, or did you? Yep, actually we landed. At, yep, then we landed, and that's where actually where our fob was. Okay, so your time over we were. There, Task, we board, uh, task Force Raider, um, we belonged to the, uh, the brigade. Um, and then through CENTCOM, which was, it was, uh, McChrystal was the, was the CEO. Okay. So through your time over there, uh, did you, that was what, 2009? So it was before the whole push into Marge off and all that, right? No, we, 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 no, we were there. Oh, you we, were there. We, we, okay. We, we, we actually, one, one op we had, we had, uh, uh some of the, uh, one, a couple of units were having a hard time making our time frame and getting to these points to, from Marja. And so we, we set up blocking positions, catching all the squirters coming out of uh, Marja. So, uh, you know, was, Kinjak Sofa or something, I can't remember what it was called, but something like that. What was your day-to-day operations like? No, I mean, we did, we did, uh, uh what, what we did. Uh, 36 missions in just under six months. Just over six months. We stayed pretty busy. Did, was that, um, were you guys actually doing recon stuff or were you just more, um, like, like the recon unit that we saw in Iraq, they were vehicled up and doing direct action stuff or high speed infantry stuff. They weren't doing like a whole bunch of reconnaissance per se. Well, we did a lot of the same, same, same stuff. I mean, it was just, you know, uh, uh, Iraq, I mean, Afghanistan is just, you know, I'm all confused now. Um, Afghanistan is a, a big vast of land, right? To get anywhere, you got to drive, um, air assets, you know, easily notified noticeable. We use, we use air assets too. Um, I think we did the, don't quote me on this, but I'm almost sure we did the first combat mission, uh, combat insert in Afghanistan with Ospreys. Oh, wow. Um, uh, so I think, uh, I, I'm almost sure, almost certain. Um, how did you like, but, but if anybody can prove me wrong on that, then you can, you can email uh, Tom and tell him. <laughs> how did you like the, uh, the Ospreys? I, I know that they had a bad reputation with the Marine Corps for a while. I liked them. I, I, I regret not being able to uh, do a, a, a halo jump out of them before I retired. I want, that's my, I wanted to retire. I wanted to jump out of an Osprey before I retired. I would have. Love to have jumped out of something before I retired, <laughs> but right. uh, but so with you, um, were you guys seeing a lot of gunfights while you were over there? Well, we had some here and there. It wasn't, uh, uh, you know, there, there there was some. Um, yeah, I mean, we've, we I think every mission we had some type of contact. I think I'm pretty sure. 
whether it was 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 IDF uh, indirect fire or just uh, you know uh, sporadic sniper fire, ineffective fire or something. We'd always we'd always have something. Something to keep um, you guys busy. Yep. So as far as medicine and being, you know, yes, you are a recon corpsman, but you're also doing medicine. Did you do any uh, med caps or did you treat any of the local nationals? Nope. Well, I didn't do any med caps. Uh, the first cows that we had, we, we took down a, a poo site. We saw a poo site where a uh, point of origin of uh, uh, where a mortar was being fought at us, uh, fired at us. Uh, it was our... It was our right seat, left seat with the unit we were replacing. Um, and it got, it got taken out by, we took it out by help with hellfires and then went and did a BDA, a, a battle damage assessment on, on that. It was, and while we were in there going through this little ville and stuff like that, we were, uh, uh, they, now it was also a time of year and we did this mission. Um, I'm not sure. It was like, uh, towards the, uh, November, December, time frame i think it was after thanksgiving i think uh, i don't remember um after that's called it's called heed or eed or something like that a big big type of of like not a, a christmas like so yeah it's like a like a like a celebration of something i'm not sure what it was but they would all come together to to families would all come together and uh um and they uh, they were leaving or something. We had leaving. We had primer set up. There were some celebration in this little village that we were at, and uh, uh, Lawar Lawar Tangi Lawar Tangi, I think it's what's called. Um, and they had uh, if you those of you who had never been to Afghanistan or, or Iraq or you, you know you give you have you have a vehicle like a tractor and and. It's going somewhere. Well, they get as many people on this damn tractor as they can get on, and everybody just goes. Uh, for those of you been in Thailand, you've seen a bot bus, right? People hanging out all over the bot bus, um, off top, bottom, upside down, backwards. How many people can get on the bot bus? That's to do with the tractors, vehicles. I've seen three or four people on motorcycles. Um, you know, all this other type of stuff. Well, they had they had uh, uh, going leaving, going back to where they're going on a tractor. This kid falls off a tractor um runs over his kid uh uh um ends up breaking his neck kills him the guy driving the 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 tractor was the uncle of that kid and his brother so um so they 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 the 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 indige personnel the iraqis uh, iraqis afghanis are there sorry so confused um were there and um uh, they were, they, they saw our presence in their, in their, in that village where they're just leaving from. And it's December there. It's cold, probably about, I don't know, about maybe 30 some degrees, 36 degrees or something like that. And then they, um, brought, uh, within our security parameters, they wanted to bring the kid to basically was me. And, uh, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the, the kid that was injured, the father and the grandfather carried his kid to me to interpret interpreter. They wanted to see a, a medical personnel that could help the kid. And I couldn't do anything for him. Yeah. So, no, and, and that's the thing. There's always going to be, there, there's a limit to what anyone could have done. 
And the, the father, and from talking with the interpreter through the grandfather, the father ended up beating his brother to death. So that family lost uh, two two male individuals in a third world country where male, that's where it's at, yeah. the male, the, your, the males. You're you're doing the day to day labor to say the least. Lost the grand, it lost the grandson and the son. Damn. So on that deployment, um, was there anything that stood out to you about it? Um, well, there's a lot of things that that could stand out about the deployment, but it's uh, I, I mean, it, it's it's a vague question. Um, you know, the fact that uh, I lost four Marines. That probably stand out. Um, the fact that there was a uh, a kid about my daughter's age that was brought to me. I can't do anything about that. Kind of that kind of stands out. Um, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of things about any deployment that could really stand out. You know, uh, but without pointing a finger at other services about other stuff that that, that stand out that we had to had to clean up messes with. Um, I wish I won't do that on here, uh, but um, that, that kind of stands out too. It's never good going to the same area where another team or unit just came out of six hours prior uh, because they failed to finish the mission. So you go back into the same spot that they just come out of eight hours later. You're screwed, dude. You know, yeah. something good comes out of that. Yeah. And I guess what I meant by that was, did you... It was it was an intentionally vague question, but I meant as far as and everything you brought up was super important. But just to you, did you did you feel a change in yourself um, when you came home? Oh, you feel change in yourself before you even come home. I mean, when you when you when you have to uh, look through clean and and and. Uh, battle gear, battle rattle gear from from the guys that you lost, so they can send it home. Uh, when you're sitting there with you know uh, chucks pads, alcohol pads, water, you know scrubbing blood from your buddies off their gear, so they can send it home without that stuff on there. That, that that's that's an impact that's going to stay with you probably your whole life. Yeah. So I mean, some of the gear, headgear, you know, it had. You know, you worry about, you know, how are they, how they kill, will they suffer or whatever. But some of the headgear we wear, you know, had, had, had singed bullet marks through the headgear, you know, so, you know, they were, they were killed execution style. Oh, wow. So. Damn. I didn't know that about that deployment. So as you wrapped it up um, and you came home or back to Okinawa, did you come home after that? Or did you um, stay in Okinawa for a little bit? As far as like post deployment leave? You no, know, I did. I, I I left with uh, left at the same time as as the the reservists did from Fort Recon, which guys I knew because I came from there. Um, it was really it was really cool to have that that syner the synergy together because they were it's pretty cool. Um, they uh, my daughter's got a a Star Wars marathon <laughs> going on right now. <laughs> I gotta see the, the starting up of episode eight. Nice. <laughs> episode eight. The worst one. Yeah, I think. Um oh yeah, be careful. Be careful. You can't spin right there. Watch the cord. Oh Harley just my, my five year old daughter just walked out. She's in a wedding as a flower girl and she wore this dress that 
um, she's going to wear. She's just happy as she's wearing it and spinning it out and stuff. Nice. Um, so, okay. so uh, um, I came home um, after, after deployment. My brother was getting married. Um, and I wanted to uh, be at his wedding. So I came home after deployment. Nice. So working with the, uh, working with the fourth recon guys um, in an actual combat zone, fighting alongside of each other, does the reserve stigma, did it, did the active duty guys have any issues with these guys who were reservists or they just see them as a, as fellow recon Marines? You know, some of the, a lot, lot of the reservists, you know, especially the ones that deployed the Charlie company guys um, that deployed a uh, mixed match from other platoon, other, other companies across the, the, the States. They, you know, some of them were active duty recon guys. So they, they just, they did their active duty time and they got out and wanted to be reserves and finished going to school or doing a school, whatever they, what they wanted to do. They have every bit of, of knowledge and training as, as the, the active duty guys, they just don't live it every day. Uh, but as soon as they get into a workup, I mean, they're, they're just, they were just as good as an asset as, as anything else. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, and sometimes they're better because, you know, you're talking about some of these reservists are, are, uh, are CEOs of companies or, 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 you know, higher echelon type of, 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 of commands or fortune 500 companies. And he's a dang staff sergeant or he's, you know, he's a sergeant in the Marine Corps. You know the the the, the knowledge knowledge base and the ability to uh, not problem solve and think outside the box. Um, I think is is, is very beneficial, uh, and and I don't know why anybody would 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 think anything, anything different because they're reservists or they're only there for uh, they're a weekend warrior, you know, and and uh, only 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 two weeks a year. Well, you know, you know as well as I do, Tom, as a reservist. That, that don't exist because if you're in a single leadership position, you're not just working on oh, yeah, that weekend. Yeah, definitely. You're not just working uh, uh, th- those two weeks. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of reservists, especially in, in the Marine Corps. I mean, that I work with at, 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 at fourth recon. I mean, that are, are phenomenal. I mean, smiley is one of them. That dude is just, you just don't quit. Yeah. You know, Darren smiley, that guy is just phenomenal. Um, smart. Uh, uh, knows his, knows his business outside the Marine Corps and knows the Marine Corps business. Um, I, 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 here's a little piece of information I saw recently. I think he's a, either a first sergeant or a sergeant major. Or is he? Sergeant major. Did he I pick up? Sergeant major. Damn. Sergeant major or master of guns, one of the two. I can't remember. I saw it on, 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 on LinkedIn with Matt Paul. They were oh, talking okay. about something. Damn. I, I didn't. Remember. Okay. Last time I saw a picture of him, it, he was at least a first sergeant or master, but damn. I, I think yeah. he's a sergeant major or a master of guns. I can't remember either. He's a top. He topped out now. Yeah. I think. Well, and and Matt, Matt's, Matt's topped out as well. Yeah, Matt is another guy that I met through Fourth Recon. He's a corpsman, um, now command master chief. Yeah. Go figure. Um, so you come back to Texas for what turns out to be your final uh, stay in the Navy. Back to Fourth Recon. You retire in what thirteen or fourteen? Fourteen, I think. I always get your 14. year mixed up. 14. Yeah, so, I got married, married, married in 13. And, um, yeah, retired in 14. So were you ready to go at that point in time? Yeah, I was so ready to go at that time. Yeah. Would, what, would it, what would it have taken to keep you in to finish out 24? Oh, nothing. 
You were just it was, because the thing, the things that the things that I would have liked to have changed or needed to change that I felt needed to change, we couldn't change. You know, you 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 you, you get you get these sailors and the Marines uh, from these from the uh, from the millennials that, it, that I call the entitlement generation. Um, that uh, 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 not all of them, but this just generation is is that way. Uh, so I'm putting them all in that generation. And I also like to refer them to as the flip-flop generation. Um, don't want to do anything. They have to take their flip-flops off to do. Um, to stay at home, do video games. But in, in, at the end of the day, they feel that you owe something to them. Uh, I don't owe you anything. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Um, you, you uh, they signed their name on the, on the dotted line. Um, they owe the Navy. They owe me to do their job. Yeah. To hold their end of the bargain. Because it was a contract they signed, um, and and if you don't want to be there, I mean, ask them the reservists that, that that the corpsman that came here. Hey, you don't want to be here at Fort Recon? I'll put you on the first thing smoking out of town, dude. It doesn't not gonna hurt my feelings. Because at that point, between myself, my first tour, uh, um, Tyler Newkirk, and then me, we had gotten it down to where um, we had almost gotten the reserve NEC as eighty four twenty seven. I think we did actually. Yeah. And um, well. Will Price is the first was the first one, yeah, and uh, and and Matt would have been the first one if you know, so yeah, if everything uh, things been, yeah. uh, things that didn't go his way. So it's not a big deal. Matt's a phenomenal dude, and I love him to this day. Never can talk bad about him. Uh, so just the circumstances, um, but yeah, I mean that that happened, and, and yeah, it took it took what eight years for that to happen, you know. And, uh, but it, it's, uh, it, it, it turned out to be the good thing. Yeah. Um, we got, we got reservists. We now had, had, uh, with me. And, and like I said, the passing of the book, it just happened to, to go full back around, you know, uh, from me to Tyler to me. And it just, and that's just the way it went. And he just, he continued on my work. He added some things and then I continued what he was doing and I added some things. And then I, after I left, uh, what happened after that, but I'm pretty sure it filled the shit. Uh, so well, let um, me ask you, let, let me change the subject real quick. Um, Cause I, I think that this is something that I've never brought up with someone on here before, but I think you're the person to, to ask. Um, being operational, do you think we do enough for mental health on return from deployment, from a combat deployment? I think we do enough on trying to identify, um, for lack of a better term, precursors. Right, or, or well, at this point, the post cursors, right? Uh, what's causing causing the stuff? Asking the questions. Um, I don't think that the uh, uh, and, and and to get a good a good uh, program, a mental health program, or or treat the mental health or or the PTSDs and stuff like that. Um, the individuals that they, they have to be honest. They have to tell the truth, even if it's not the it's not the popular it's not a popular answer. You know, we heard that today, right. During that, uh, during that retirement, yeah. you know, even, even, even being that, being that jackass, uh, standing out like the turn of punch bowl when it's not popular, but you're doing it because of what you believe in. Um, that's the, that's the metal that we need. Um, and the individuals have to have that metal and to depict, uh, and tell and be truthful about what they're feeling and what they're experiencing. And if, and if they're not truthful and they're trying to, you know, just to get by, um, then you're not going to, it doesn't make a difference what you do or how many 
how many, I mean, same thing with TBIs. It doesn't make a difference how many, how many, how many uh, mace reports you do or how many mace reports you pass or you fail or, or whatever. If you're not truthful about your, your answers, then you're, it's never going to be a good program. Never. And, 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 and we all know that, uh, you, uh, you know, your brain is constantly healing itself. There's parts of your brain that can't heal, but for TBIs and stuff like that, your, 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 your brain will, will learn. It's, it's a, it's a, it's an organ that's growing and changing every day. You're going to rebuild those pathways eventually. And something that you may not have a, 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 a flag on the TBI that you had a flag on TBI. Now you don't, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, because about case in point, I was, I, same thing with me. You know, I, I went, I had some concussions earlier on and TBIs before TBIs even had a word to them. You know what I'm saying? Um, back in the day, a TBI was somebody that, you know, had some type of a head injury that's in the, in the corner, sucking on her thumb and drooling on themselves and they can't do nothing else. Yeah. So uh, now I realize that's not the fact. Um, so they, uh, but like I said, you have to be, have to be honest about, about, about what's your experience, what you're feeling. And it goes for PTSD too. If you're not honest about it, or you're just trying to get milk a little bit more out of the government, um, money-wise or or whatever, then the, the program is never going to be good, Tom. It just it won't. Uh, and, and everybody, you know, everybody wants to get the the, the hundred percent, you know, uh, 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 full and permanent. You know what I'm saying? Uh, when they retire, everybody, everybody and, and and I think this some people feel that they they owe it. They're owed to them. You know, they're entitled yeah. to it. Um, and yeah, the, 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 yeah, you need to be, you need to be the way you were when you joined. I, I understand that, but if you spend 30, 20 years, 23 years in the military, you go in at, at 20, 21 years old, you come out at 43. I'm sorry. You're not going to be the same physical standard that you meet there. You know, um, hopefully you're better. Um, but you're more likely you're not going to be, um, and, and, but is, is it, is it, you know, is it worth a hundred percent? You know, that's why you got the VA and the VA math is, is jacked up because people don't understand VA math. Right. Um, right. So if they understand the VA math, then, then, then it would make perfect sense. So, you know, you can't take two fifties and equals a hundred two fifties and two fifties equals 75%. Yeah. Uh, that's it. And yeah. But it, it, it's so it's in a way that people don't understand that people have a really hard time getting their head around how it works, which is the sad yeah. part. Right. And, uh, but yeah, I, mean, the, I, I don't know if it needs, uh, 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 to be redone. I think, I think there's a lot more now, um, for people that have PTSD than there was say when my father came out of Vietnam. Yeah. I mean, like in, in the recon community, were, was there more so from what you could tell more access to specialized care than an infantry battalion? Well, it depends on, 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 on the battalion age thing. That, that's subjective. You know, it's, if you do, I mean, there, there's no, I mean, guys either, either, either want to deploy or they don't want to deploy. There is no middle ground. Oh, uh, maybe I want to deploy. No, there's not, you know, guys that, have had some bad experiences or good experiences or whatever, you know, and, and Marines are Marine Marines, you know, are from the, from the, from the beginning, you know, every, every Marines are rifleman. Right. So, uh, they're there to fight. That's what, that's what they're, that's what they're, that's what they're, uh, they're trained to do. They're, 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 you know, special MACTAF, you know? Yeah. 
So to, to wrap this up, I got to ask, cause I always have to ask this. So you and I, and the rest of the God forsaken world have just suffered through 2020, uh, which by most metrics I think would rate as a flaming dumpster fire or a shit show that hasn't ended yet. How did you guys handle the uh, pandemic and everything for you on your end? No, we no. When from the, from the get go, whenever it came out, they said way back last year, a little bit after this time, what March, April time frame, you know, they said, "Hey, this was going on. We need to." And that's when they they shut everything down, right? That was when the you couldn't get no toilet paper, you couldn't get no no bleach, you couldn't you can get any any anything, any paper products, you know, because people because the 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 world is ending, and I have to stock my garage with shit paper, so. Um, because that's going to save my life by having shit paper in my garage. It is. You didn't know that? Yeah, I know. I know exactly right. And then our paper towels or something. I didn't realize that they're so important that do paper that I wipe my ass with is so important where you have to buy it all up. It didn't, didn't make sense. Nope. And then that part of it did not make any sense to me at all. But we had the pandemic, we had the riots, we had the election. I mean, this this is the oh yeah, this is the punk, the real life version of punk. It feels like for the last year, and it's oh, not yeah. over I, yet. Oh yeah, I feel like the movie the um, or the day after tomorrow, where they had those three or four different storm fronts converge and end up freezing New York and everything. Oh yeah, everything north of Mexico City was frozen. And everything below that was was good to go, and everything moved down. Well, that's what happened. We had we had uh, this pandemic thing kicking. We had this uh, 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 widespread voter voter fraud, voter registration fraud. Um, we got this election of of a, of a, of a seventy eight year old man who is who is who's senile um, and can't remember his name from day to day. And then who else do we have? The pandemic that and and, the riots, and all these uh, yeah. riots and these impeachments and stuff like that. It's just a perfect storm, you know. Just just wait, just just waiting to, wait to erupt, you know, and. I think it's, it's, it's a big shit show, you know, it, it, uh, I think, I think our, um, just this, just this whole, I don't want to get too much in the political thing. Uh, this, this, this whole political crap that happened last year is, it's, it's crap. It's crap. The whole storming of the, of the Capitol building. It's crap. Um, the whole, this, not that I'm saying that black lives matter is crap, but the whole stuff about, about segregating ourselves, um, black lives matter. Well, well, Tom, I said, you do all lives matter, not just black lives. So, um, I asked anybody who's, who watches this, you know, uh, what, what makes one more important than the other? Absolutely fucking nothing. I can agree with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely nothing. You know, um, and, and if, if people sit back and they want to continue to throw up these, these, uh, blockades or, or, or partitions, on on race, creed, color, sex, and sexual origin will never grow. We'll never get past anything. There there'll, there'll always be some type of animosity or bias uh, between these different these the different people, um, regardless of their their age, age, sex, creed, sexual origin, or, or whatnot. Um, you know, it it should not be. in I said this when that the, the previous uh, president was when Obama was in office. It should not matter that he is the first black African-American president. That's not even an issue. Can you do your job? I don't care what your color is. Yeah. 
No, I, agree I don't care what your sex is. Can you do your job? Um, and then now we got on news, you got, Hey, the, 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 the first Asian black female vice president, it, it shouldn't matter. Not that it's compliments of a woman that that's not what I'm saying. Um, but it, it shouldn't matter. Can, can you, can you do your job? Do your job as a person, do your job to represent and, uh, the people that put you in that position. There, there, there shouldn't be any other agendas to anything except for that. And, um, and, uh, that's, that's just how I feel about it. Yeah, and, no, I, and, I, I, I totally get what you're saying on that for sure. And then, you know, and then you get, you know, and you get a 78 year old, uh, first term president Yeah, with extensive medical conditions. Um, Camilla Harris, vice president, you know, uh, you, uh, you know what I see? I see not that I wish this on anybody by any means. I see Biden not making it through his first, uh, his, his term. Camilla Harris is going to be president and Nancy Pelosi is going to be vice president. And I actually believe that we're fucked after that. Well, it'll be an interesting ride if it goes down that path to say the right. least. But, um, so to end this, I just want to say that was a great rant. I love you for it. Let's hope YouTube does not ban the video because you're a crazy person. I'm just kidding. Oh, you're see, not I a crazy person. Huh? You have to, have to delete those. No, it's not the F-bombs. It's the, uh, the, oh, the oh. You, YouTube oh, I, doesn't like the VF word. Huh? The, the V and then the F word combined, the voter, and then oh. the oh. F word yeah. after that. Yeah, yeah. No, but it's saying. all good. It's it's all good. I I really. No, it's, it's my opinion. I don't care yeah. whether it's proven or not. I'm allowed, I'm about I'm allowed my opinion. No, you're not, not not on YouTube anymore. Oh yeah. Well, I, I can I can I can I can afford you some YouTube videos that were sent and they absolutely were removed uh, from YouTube. Yeah. So, but um, how are so, you guys holding up though in the pandemic? No, we're doing good, man. We do. We go. We get groceries that we're supposed to do. Um, we still do our distancing. Um, we, we don't go anywhere unless we need to go and keep our kids active. But other than that, I mean, we're. Are they, um, are they do, are they back in school school or are they mm -hmm. still doing both distance? Okay, cool. Nope. Both of them back in school. Yep. That that's probably a little bit of a help just having them back amongst their friends. Yep. So, all right, man, thank you so much for doing this. We've gone, got for, no we've gone oh, for about two hours and. 50 minutes. Two, yeah, a lot. 245, somewhere around there. Holy crap. Yep. Yeah. Time does fly. But I appreciate it. Um, this will be out tomorrow. I'll send you a link when I put it up. We got it. Just make sure you put some cool music in the background, dude. No cool music. I'm just going to leave Heath to be Heath. I'm going to stop the recording. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you can follow us on social. Check us out at our website, modernronin.com. On Instagram, The Modern Ronin on Twitter at TommyChase01. And you can always support us at modernronin.locals.com. This is our locals group, and it would be great if you guys joined and subscribed. Some great benefits. Talk to you guys soon.